So the NRL Supercoach All-Stars podcast. This is Barnsley, back again for another week, and it's a week with no NRL. We've got State of Origin on Sunday night when we're recording this one, and no footy to talk about for this weekend. But we did promise you last week that we're going to do a huge buy planning special because the five trades are now in your account ready to cash in on. So because of that, we're going to do a big buy planning podcast right now, and we're going to talk about all the buys, all the trades, and have a real big trade extravaganza and because we're going to do that I've got Billy on for the first one but for this second buy and for all this trade discussion I really wanted to get the catfish Wilfred on because Wilfred you love trading and you're you're killing it this year on your trade front <laughs> at least the last two weeks <laughs> oh geez let's not talk about that eh? my my season has been an absolute disaster I I have the touch of death anything I do it seems to go wrong and uh, I just heard the news that one of my trade-ins last week Greg Mazu and the elbow injury, so <laughs> another one bites the dust. <laughs> Jeez, you've got a bad run. I mean, you had a couple that worked out the last two weeks, I think. You had a couple that you brought in that went all right for the first time probably the whole season. Yeah, I guess, you know, when, when Joey Mano is probably one of my better trades this year, it kind of exemplifies most of this season, really. So, yeah, let's let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've done the opposite. I, I reckon I've been really happy. My season's gone... From start to about three weeks ago, I was on the up, I think, just about every week. And then the last few weeks, it's just the 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 wheels have started to fall off. Probably even a month ago, really, like I brought in Luai and that didn't work at all. I had, you know, the three weeks for the 80 points total or whatever it was. And a couple of guys like that that were just no good. Tom Alolo I brought in, um, you know, that three weeks ago, four weeks ago when um he got suspended that yeah. week. And then, you know, from then on... I've just had bad luck, and I've, I used it all up at the, the first, you know, eight or nine rounds, Wilfred, and now it's just all catching up to me, and I feel like I feel like I could feel your pain the last few weeks for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I started off all right, and then basically since, uh, I think the whole sliding doors moment for me was when Paps first got injured, and I went Paps to Ponga instead of Paps to Turbo, and ever since then, like, you know, Ponga was a disaster because he got hurt, and then, you know, I held Pappenhausen instead. Uh, it just, yeah, it just slowly went backwards and every move I made seemed to result in another suspension or another injury or, yeah, it just, it's not been a kind season to me. I, I thought I had a bounce back week and then all of a sudden I didn't have turbo. So enough said about last week. <laughs> I didn't have turbo last week either. So I, I definitely feel that pain. Um Wilfred's obviously one of the hosts of the NRL Supercoach Champions podcast, fantastic podcast that you guys put out there. So do give it a listen, bit of cross promotion for you, but we love the Champions podcast and you're a regular on here as well. So you guys have got the third wheel in now as well. So it's not just you and Guy going along. So I think you've been probably hitting your straps now with the three wheeler. I just think, you know, because I was kind of playing host, but then, you know, wanting to chip in. And I think the balance when it was just Guy and myself, it just felt a bit off. So getting Joe on to kind of balance it up, it means that, you know, I don't have to do as much of the hosting sort of things and Joe can take care of it a bit more and I can chip in with more, hopefully, uh, super coach information as opposed to, 
you know, the, the, the other kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I think it's been good. It, it just means that it makes life a little bit simpler, uh, on my end. So I, I definitely not, not complaining on that. So yeah, cheers for the shout out. Nice. Well, this podcast, we're going to obviously go through the buy stuff, like I mentioned last week, but we're firstly going to talk about strategy a little bit. Uh, and that strategy for this next couple of weeks, because you've all got five trades in your account now. Uh, so everyone's going to start to be looking at using them probably straight away as soon as lockout finished, because I did. I know I looked in, saw my five trades and started going nuts for it. So I'm going to be talking a lot about the strategy around that um, and different strategies as well with head-to-head and certain things. Then we're going to go into trading and trade-outs for non-buy round players. So obviously we've got round 16 coming up, which isn't the buy round. Uh, and then we've got round 17 after that. So... We're going to chat a little bit about the guys that maybe you want to trade in uh, that aren't going to play the buy, and then we're going to focus solely on buy trading and do a, a big extravaganza on the trade-ins for the buy round and who you can potentially consider from each team for the matchups. So big podcast to get through. Wilfred, first of all, before we get stuck into the actual trading, how do you feel about the Origin teams? Because obviously this week we've got no NRL, which I love that we've got Origin on Sunday night. But when I was looking ahead and sort of planning towards this week's podcast, it sort of made me realise how shit it is when you don't have any NRL games. So I'm, I'm a little bit of a mixed bag, but I'm excited for Origin Sunday night, and I'm excited that I'm a New South Wales fan. And look, if I was a New South Wales fan, I would be excited too, because <laughs> the Maroons, they, they, their team is just gross. And I mean, part of it, yeah, you know, injury. Like, Caelan uh, Palmer's pretty big. I mean, he's one of... Queensland's best players, but <laughs> when you've got the likes of Kyle Felt in the team and uh, I don't know, Andrew McCulloch's there again. <laughs> I just I look at it, I'm just like, oh, I don't know what you're doing, Paul Green. It just like David Feeder on the bench, really. <laughs> I made a tongue in cheek comment about that on Supercoach Central today, where uh because uh, I think somebody said something like, you know, it'll it'll work out well because you'll come on and make an impact or something. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's going to be great when he comes on, runs on in the 22nd minute, you know, takes a big hit up, ready to make a big impact as the X Factor, down 24 nil to New South Wales, 20 minutes in. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it just doesn't really make any sense, does it? No. And look, I, I mean, that's probably the thinking behind it, right? Making an impact. But I just, you know, when you're when you're starting Jai Arrow on an edge instead. Like, it just doesn't make sense. And, like, I've, I've spoken about Felice Kafusi. You know, he was a good player, but that's that's past him now, and he still performs well for the Storm, but it just he, he's not as good as he was, and I think he's better off, even he's off better off the bench as opposed to Fafita, but, yeah. Anyway, I'm just getting depressed <laughs> talking about the Queensland team. I think it's going to be a flogging as much as I want to believe in the Queensland team, and I know we had the whole worst team of the last 40 years last year and they pulled a rabbit out of the hat but I just think it's the, the, the Blues are too strong this year they've got all their players back pretty much so you know no Tommy was a big big loss for you guys last year and as much as you know we didn't have Ponger either and a few others but yeah no no Grant no no Ponger I think it's too big of a uh, too big of a mountain for the Queenslanders to overcome honestly well, I think that, like, not to take anything away from Queensland last year, but I, I was pretty vocal myself where I completely understood where they were coming from as the worst Queensland team ever. Like, I thought it was a pretty bad team. But, you know, <laughs> you, you're never not going to turn up 
you know, the Queensland team's always going to play hard and always, you know, try. And even in that game one, they still tried. It was just New South Wales just played played to their potential and they're just such a better team on paper. So it's going to be hard. But last year, you know, it was a bad team. This year, I think it's a bad team too. But last year, I think what happened, as much as Queensland tried hard, New South Wales just didn't turn up when they needed to and was sort of off the pace a little bit. That's probably Queensland's only chance this year, right? Like the Blues would have to not turn up on Sunday night or have their heads elsewhere. And that's the only real chance I can see of Queensland being competitive. Yeah, I think you're right. It's just the Blues will have to lose this series rather than Queensland winning it. That's, you know, on paper, that's what it looks like. I have to ask you, you know, you mentioned a couple of selections for the Queensland team and I agree with you on them not being quite stellar. Uh, But Francis Molo on the bench. Now, this is, the Cowboys are not a good team. He's a, he played 22 minutes his last game, 30 minutes a game before that off the bench as jumper number 17 for a shit NRL team. Like, what what's doing? <laughs> how how could he find himself on the bench? I know you're going to say, oh, look, you know, we don't have many op But there is other guys. Like, even Jared Wallace or something is there. Like, I, I could not... I understand with McCulloch, but then I sort of thought to myself, well, there isn't really that many other options. But there was a lot of options instead of Francis Molo on the bench. Like, that one was one that really was a bugbear for me. And I get it. I mean, he's not getting big minutes, but I guess it is a different coach. And whatever Todd Payton's trying to do at the Cowboys, I don't know, I'm, I'm sick of trying to guess what he's doing up there, basically. But, you know, Paul Green is a former Cowboys coach. He knows, I guess, a lot of the Cowboys players better. I, I don't mind Molo, actually. He is, you know, an impact player. I thought he had a pretty good season last year. Hasn't quite matched that this year, and I think that's kind of showing by his minutes slowly dropping a little bit after he played a bit more at the start of the season. But, you know, when you see Jared Wallace, you mentioned it, like he's playing pretty good footy for the club, for the Titans, but he was gross in origin. Like It was disgusting when he played, and I think that's kind of marked his cards. Like I don't think he – you know how they talk about origin players? Mm. Um, I just don't think Jared Wallace is going to be seen as one ever, uh, despite you know being able to perform all right at club level. Just the, the fact that he disappeared – in origin when he got his chance and, and it wasn't just the one chance it, it just disappeared basically. Uh, I think that that's a pretty black mark against him and that's probably why he's not in consideration and they're opting, op, opting to give some like Molo a shot instead. I mean, I guess you could say what did Queensland got to lose apart from the series, but you know, everyone's assuming they're going to lose the series anyway. So might as well see if you can find a, another player, I guess. I'm trying. To, I'm trying desperately to find some silver lining here. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that's fair enough. Uh, I just, it, it's not a very good team. I, I agree with you though that I think that New South Wales are going to flog them, uh, which brings us to the Top Sport Bet of the Week. So, have to mention our fantastic partner, Top Sport. They are a hundred percent Australian-owned bookmaker. They often have the best lines and the best odds in the market. You'll find, especially their anytime try scorers for NRL. Art top-notch as far as the odds that you'll get for them. Uh, but other than that, they've got some great odds on other sports as well. If you like the NBA playoffs like I do, I'm following them greatly. Ben Simmons is out, but Top Sports still has great odds for that as well. So if you're going to gamble, obviously do it responsibly. But if you are going to create an account, make sure that you use the All-Stars promo code. It's SC All-Stars, all one word. That way they'll know that you're one of our listeners and they can take really good care of you. Uh, but as far as the bets go, we're obviously not got 
NRL games this week, so there's not going to be a huge amount of bets, but we do have the Origin game. And I am going to say on Top Sport, you can get a, a line of minus 13.5 for $1.90 at the moment. That's obviously going to keep dropping, or going up, I should say, because I think a lot of people are going to hammer that. But I don't see any way the Blues don't win by 14+, plus, and to be able to get $1.90 odd for that is amazing. So I'm actually going to pull it out and actually pull put a bet in for a minus 21 and a half because I think it's going to be a flogging and you're going to get well over $2.50, $2.60 for that. So I think there's some great value there on Top Sport. Jump in there, have a look at it. And if you do think it's going to be a flogging, there's going to be a heap of tries as well. So anytime tries like Turbo, Teddy, Latrell, you know, they're all paying pretty good odds compared to some of the other markets as well. So Top Sport, fantastic bookmaker. Get all over it if you want to have a punt. SC All-Stars is your promo code. But for this podcast, we are going to have to get into the trades because we're going to talk trades for hours. There is that much to talk about. Everyone has five trades in their account, Wilfred, right now to play with. And I think a couple of things that I mentioned on the last podcast in regards to the buy with Billy, but also even for the first podcast when we were looking ahead for this one. The first thing when we're talking about trade strategy for this period between sort of round 16 to round 17 is, you know, for me... This next buy round, I'm actually going to aim for less less players, um, and I'm looking at more quality. Part of that is because, for me, I think that you want to try and target guys that you can keep, uh, because that's going to help with your trades. I think that trade, trades are going to be much more valuable the second half, because we have to remember that the sin bins and stuff, and, and because of the sin bins, the rap sheets that end up happening, happening in the judiciary and suspensions mean that we now have a bit of a, a change in game plan where there's going to be possibly more guys out. We are seeing more injuries starting to creep in as well. So trades are going to be at a premium. So for me, um, I think that it's a really good strategy to aim for less for this next buy. I do think that it doesn't have as much quality as potentially the first one. So really, you know, maybe 10, 11 plays even is a good number, especially if you're short on... Your trades, you can maybe conserve them and use them elsewhere. Um, where do you stand on, on your aim for this next buy? Yeah, I think you're like 10, 11 is around the mark. I reckon 10 to 12 is pretty safe. And I guess, you know, that's probably eight or nine quality guys. And, you know, I'm sure some of us have like, like a Ben Travojevic or someone like that, hoping he would get, you know, 30, 40 minutes as one of our, our, our players. So look, I'm with you on that. Uh, personally, because I'm so far back, I'm just going to go all out and I'm going to potentially trade in trash. And but I'm so far back, like it doesn't matter for me. I'm just trying to give it a go. But I might end up having like 14, 15 for the round, which is gross. But yeah. <laughs> when you're as far back as me, you're going to try something. But like I think it's either you, know, you gear up and keep as much as your top 17 intact, so you're pumping out good scores in round 16 and straight up in round 18 as well. And then be able to, you know, be in good shape to get your final keeper, final, you know, top 17 in by, say, round 19, 20 at the latest. And then pump out strong scores for the last five rounds is, I think that would be a good solid plan. Um, I, I mean, one of the things I think a lot of people are considering, like, if you don't have the likes of a David Fafita or someone even like an Angus Crichton or even Tommy Turbo, like, I, I think some people are actually considering getting those guys in this week uh, where obviously they're coming off origin and they're going to play potentially five, six, seven days after origin two. Um, but, and then I guess they're expecting them to still score well. Like what are you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I like it. 
and I think that one of the other strategies is that you can, you know, I think with whatever you do, even if you're, even if you're going all out on this buy or you're not going to, uh, I think that there's got to be an element of setting your team up for post buy run. Um, so I think that definitely if you're not as worried about the numbers for this buy or you've already got like nine players, you can definitely mix and match buy and non-buy players with your five trades over the next couple of weeks. Uh, and that's something that I'm going to be doing myself. You know, one of the things that I spoke about last week is I'd like to clear out some dead wood, which is easier to do when you've got the five trades at your disposal, uh, like a Sean Bloor in my team, for instance. But I'd also like to make sure that I get the high ceiling guys in that are going to kill me. And, you know, Nostradamus moment, of course, um, I did, didn't have Travojevic on the weekend and he killed me completely. Like I was winning 10 out of 10 head-to-heads and then I lost, you know, 6 out of 10 um, because of all the Travojevic owners. So... I'm going to get in Trebojevic in this five trade. There is no ifs or buts about it. Um, and I think that you're crazy not to with that type of player. With a, a David Fafida and Angus, uh, you could probably wait. I mean, they, they've still got pretty high BEs. But uh, certainly if you think that you're low on trades or you want to go early to get the points, um, that, that that makes sense as well. Are you pretty much in the same boat as that? You're, you're going to mix and match? Yeah, I mean, I... Because I've had such bad luck with trading, I've been trading in and out a lot of injured players and suspended players, basically. So by virtue of that, like I, I've held David Fafita, I've had Angus Crichton the whole time, you know, I've held Nathan Cleary. So I don't need to get a lot of these guys back post Origin because I've got them in my team already. So that's why I'm, I'm hammering hard on round 17 because you know I can spare the trades on that, and I'm already kind of set up. So my team is probably going to look at by round 17 or 18, I'm probably going to have close to my final team. I might only have to get two or three other guys like uh, Val Holmes or uh, maybe Harry Grant if he's fit. Like those are the only types of guys I'm probably getting back in. I am really tempted like you are uh, to get Tommy Turbo because you're right. Like he killed, he killed me last round. <laughs> I, I battled hard to claw, claw back some ground in round 14 and it was just gone in one in one fell swoop because of Tommy's massive t- double ton. So yeah, I just can't risk that going no. off again. Look, 208 points. Like it's, you can't, especially if you include the captaincy option, like over 400 points, it is massive. And we've spoken about it on the podcast all year, as you've mentioned on your podcast and as really everybody's mentioned, the point swings this year are huge. The amount of guys averaging tons is incredible. So you just can't afford not to have those guys. And I would probably say uh, you're probably like you're pretty far behind and coming up to round 16. But in relative terms to past seasons, it's almost like being far behind in you know round 11 or 12. You know, it's it's that much easier to still catch up even though we're late in the season. Well, I just think it's so. Like, literally, I only scored 1298 this week, so 1300, call it that. And obviously, the top score is 1900, so that's 600 points. It's and crazy. my team is, like, it's not that bad. <laughs> I know I'm not doing very well, but I've got a lot of good players in my team still, and it's just because I literally didn't have Turbo. And I, like, of, of the popular players that went large, it was mostly just Turbo. <laughs> and maybe, like, I had a couple of... I had Joey Manu, and I was forced to play him because of an injury. So, you know, that didn't help. But outside of Turbo, like, if I had him, you know, I would have scored pretty well, uh, all things considered. 
um, you know, I captained Nico Hines, so it wasn't even that bad of a captaincy score. But, you know, if I had turbo, I, my score goes from 1,300 roughly till about 1,600, and that would have been very passable. You know what I mean? Like one player can literally change your round by several hundred points. So Oh, it's huge. It's, like, I, I was the same. Like, I had five tons, and I scored 1,400. And, you know, I I had Hines as captain as well. I dropped from about 2K to 5K with that at this point of the season. That's madness. Like, I I was so upset. Like, Yeah. And I, I just think, you know, as far back as I am, and as unrealistic it probably is, like, I'm about 1,300 points outside the top 1,000. So, and, and right now I'm actually sitting at 20,000, like, 600, something like that. So I am really far back, and I'm not sugarcoating that. But if I nail a couple of these captaincy options, right, and I have a good round 17, I could potentially get within striking range of the top 1,000 if, you know, like I said, I just have to have that one or two good player go off and hit that 150, 200 score when no one else or, or not many else, uh, you know, are on. Like the the guys that jumped on Ruben Garrick earlier, that was been a huge rocket up the rankings because his ownership was... It went up last week, but it's still pretty low. Yep. So it's just about timing that and obviously making sure you don't miss the, the biggest scores of the of the round. And obviously when someone like Tommy Turbo, who's so highly owned, double tons it, and, you know, when his captaincy was probably like 20%, it just it's a massive hit if you miss out on that. Yeah, and it, look, it's really easy to get him in at the moment. And if, you, if you're not considering it and you don't own him, you really should think about it this way. Like, if you get a guy in that's going to go solid and, and do 75 and 75 the next two weeks, which includes a buy round. Turbo could play one of those games and beat his score. You know, that's... it's it, it, And probably will. Like, he will probably beat a guy that averages 75 the next two games in one game. He'll probably hit 150 the next game because he just did it so easy on the weekend. And he's got a, a plum matchup again. So, I mean, it's just... Oh, he's my priority. Like, I cannot live with watching him again. And I think that every team that had to watch him as a non-owner needs to get him in. you got five trades to do it. You can still obviously get four guys that are going to play in the buy. Um, and even if you're a bit short, Wilfred, would you agree that it's probably more important to get someone like Tommy in for his big score than what it is to have, you know, 11 instead of maybe only sacrificing one and having 10 buy players for that round? Yeah, absolutely. That that makes a lot of sense. But I think one thing you've got to plan for is, uh, you know, what's going to happen in round 18, where Tommy most likely won't back up again. It's a similar situation to round 13, 14. It's like a 48-hour turnaround again for yep. the Seagulls. So I'm, I'm pretty much assuming he doesn't play. Uh, and so who do you have as your backup fullback? If you don't have, you know, like if, if you've got Teddy as well or someone like that, and he may or may not play round 18 either, then you're going to leave yourself in a situation like a lot of people did in round 14, they copped it. They copped the AE and, you know, it, it might not be so bad, but I just think that's something to consider if you are bringing him in. You want to have some flexibility, like whether you bring him in and then you've got, say, Nico Hines as your backup fullback and, you know, maybe you've got a Val Holmes as, the, as well as so you can swap them around if you need to in case, say, Pappenhausen turns, turns up in round 18 or something like that. Uh, I just think it's worth thinking about that because if you have Tommy for around 16, but then not 17, not 18, and not only do you not have him for 18, but you also don't have a fullback for 18, I think that could be a bit of a problem. Yep, no, 100% agree. You need to look ahead at the next round after the buy as well. 
Uh, other strategy, Wilfred, that people need to probably think about with this is how you actually use your trades. So what I mean is, like I mentioned, we've obviously got five trades in the bank now, but we've got round 16, not round 17 coming up. So it, it would be very um, prudent for people to wait and see what happens in round 16 as well before getting guys in for the specific buy round if you don't need them to play round 16. But the other thing that it makes it interesting too, I, I think a lot of people are going to maybe jump the gun and sort of get their whole five in or, or even four out of the five in this next week when some of these guys have quite high break-evens. So there's people that we're going to talk about that you're going to want to use some of your five trades for, but you're probably better off waiting for the round 16 game and then getting them in the next week. So how you actually use your five trades and when you use them is going to be really important as well. Yeah, and I think this is where you've also got to work out, not just round 16, 17, but honestly, I think it's worth trying to map out how you're going to get your final team into place because, like, a lot of people may have traded out a lot of these origin players, right? So you're going to want to get them back. In you know, if you've traded out Cleary, you need to get him back round 18 or 19, depending when he plays. Or if you've traded out, you know, Tommy or... You know, someone else critical like that, you need to plan for it. And if they don't back up in round 18, so then do you get them in back round 19? Then if you've only got two trades to use in 19, like how many of these origin guns can you get back in a row? So you know, if you plan, if you don't plan ahead, you could still be trading in guys like, who played origin and you, you know, like a Val Holmes who probably is a top 17 worthy or, you know, top two or three center wing option, but you're still trying to get them in like in round 21 already, and you've missed out on multiple weeks because you've had to get, you know, Cleary and then, uh, you know, Angus Crichton or David Fafita and then, you know what I mean? Like you, there's only so many guys you can get in round 18 and 19 and 20, and if not that many players are backing up in round 18, then you're bunching up a lot of these origin guns in round 19, 20. So I just think that needs to be factored in because you obviously need to work out who you're trading out, how much cash you need to have on hand, and it all kind of just flows in together. So realistically, um, using your five trades, you you know, I, I think anyway, you really need to plan all all that whole period. So you know when from now until your final team, um, until your final squad, really, what that's going to look like. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, that's one thing that might come up is, you know, I mentioned trying to clear some dead wood. I wanted to clear more dead wood, but I did map ahead and I realized that I was going to need more money and I had to let go of someone that I would have preferred to hold just because that would have given me a few extra $100,000 to play with, which I knew that I was going to need. Uh, so it's really important to do that because every uh, every super coach has gone through a year where they get to the end and they don't get all of the keepers in that they want to get in. Uh, it, it happens at some point to everyone. It's happened to me multiple times. And sometimes the other thing that we haven't even mentioned is you're going to cop injuries or suspensions and you're going to be in a position where you go, shit, I don't have a half-pack to play um, and I'm in a head-to-head uh, match-up that I have to win the next couple of weeks and I've only got two trades left, so that's not going to get me back a 750000 David for feeder and I'm going to have to let him go, for example. You know, That's going to happen to some teams, especially if you don't plan ahead. Yeah, absolutely agree. And, you know... Uh... I've been trumpeting from very early in the season about you need to trap trades in that last couple of rounds. Everyone remembers how many people got rested in round 25 last year. Uh, well, not 25, round 20, you know, round 20 yeah. last year. 
but I, I think it, it all happens every season. But I'm finding with, especially with the you know the current rules, how fast the games are, and you know just the opportunities to rest your star players and give them a week off so that they're primed for the finals. I think so many coaches are going to be taking advantage of that. So if everyone's got like realistically, I couldn't, I would not be surprised if Nathan Cleary and Jerome Hughes are both rested in round 25 this year. Because, you know, Panthers storm locked up one one and two. They can't get hurt. Uh, you know, the, you don't want to risk them getting hurt. They can't move up or down. You know what I mean? Like, that's I can realistically see that happening. And, you know, if there's players who have locked up a top four spot, sorry, teams who have locked up a top four spot, then maybe they don't need to risk them in round 25 because they can't drop out of the top four. So they've got the second chance there. But they can't really improve their position either. So... To me, I'm, I'm wondering if that's something you, we really realistically need to plan for. Yeah, and when you are thinking about it, think about it long and hard with this buy round because like we mentioned earlier with this type of stuff, if you do find yourself a bit short or you're a bit worried, sacrifice the one or two players that you would have had for round 17 and just pocket those trades because there's going to be teams in that boat that are going to need to do that and it's not going to make that much of a difference in that round, I don't think. Um, I'm going to throw out a last strategy for head-to-head only players here, Wilfred. We spoke about when to use your five trades and to think about it because it is across a couple of rounds that you can use your trades. Uh, head-to-head players, really good strategy. Uh, wait until that round 16 lockout happens because normally it's you know you can really get a good head up or you can sort of have a look at someone's team and kind of chase where you need to chase in a couple of leagues because you get to see what's happening in that matchup. But that's only with two two trades up your sleeve. If you just go and smack in all five during the round, you're really going to throw a cat amongst the pigeons in some of those matchups, and people won't know what to do, especially if you do it for later games. Uh, you're really going to come home strong and, and potentially guarantee some of those wins as well with those five trades up your sleeve. So for head-to-head players, there's actually a really good opportunity to use some strategy, especially if you're chasing to, to be in the top eight for some leagues, like I am with a couple of mine. Yeah, look, I totally agree there. I just wonder if it can be risky then if you're, you know, you might win round 16 because you pulled a Swifty on, on your opponent for that week, but then are you handicapping your team for coming weeks, you know? Because, like, to get the win, you've had to make some suboptimal choices, which, you know, it might come back to bite you. But, look, I totally get it. If you need to win, like you said, you're on the verge of the, on the fringe of the eight and you need to try and lock down that final spot, and you know you've got to you've got to go hard and go all out for it. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I, I know what you mean, and I wouldn't suggest going for guys that you don't really want. Um, but I would, I'd do it more for guys that you are thinking about getting maybe even the next week, and you're going to go a week early and stuff, or you wait off a week if you don't need to. I think that it presents a really interesting strategy opportunity for head-to-head guys to get guys in earlier. I mean, there might be some teams that are holding off on a turbo trading. Um, but then you see that he's named and then you go bang and you do it with your fourth or fifth trade in a head-to-head. That's really going to swing things around next week. So, yeah, uh, it's some interesting... It's going to be a really interesting couple of weeks. I'm really looking forward to it. Let's start talking about some actual players, though. So when we're talking about non-buy players, uh, trade-ins will we'll hit first, right? Because we've already talked about the, the biggest guy to consider trading in, and that's Tom Trevojevic. He's got 208 points last week. Phenomenal new supercoach record. He's averaging 127 points, though, and he's now 970-odd-thousand dollars. He just went up $45,000. It's going to be very hard to look at a trade in other rounds. So I've already mentioned that he's a big trading candidate for me with these five trades. When you only have two trades, to get someone in that's almost a million dollars is very difficult to do. He's got a break-even at 114, 
And for someone like Tom Trevojevic, that actually seems like he's going to smash that break even anyway. So, you know, he's only, out of his games this year, he's only got two where he hasn't tunned, which were a 68 and a 40. The other six games, he's got tons. And one of them's, and two of them are almost double tons if you count his 191 and his 208. So it's just incredible. And Wilfred, I dare say teams are going to really struggle if they don't consider a Tom Trevojevic this week. We've already spoken about him a lot, but the fact is, if you're not going to do it now, you really need to be planning because you're going to have to use a lot of bank that you're going to have to save up beforehand to be able to get him in down the track. I just think, and then, you know, I'm, I think I'm with you. Like, I'm more than likely looking at getting him in this week just to, to, to stop the bleed, basically. But realistically, if he plays around 16, coming off Origin, sure, he's playing on the Saturday. So it's a six-day turnaround. It's not too bad. But it's still, you know, six days after arguably one of the toughest games that he's going to play this year. Then he'll play around... He won't play around 17 because he'll play Origin 3. And more than likely, he won't back up around 18. So... You're gonna trade. You're gonna spend, you know, nine hundred fifty thousand roughly, and have this one guy for potentially a massive score this week, but then nothing for the next two weeks. So, and um, I guess I'm just trying to play devil's advocate here. I just think there is a, a situation where you go, look, I'm gonna bypass that. I'm gonna find someone who's gonna play all three rounds for me, and potentially, you know, he he then becomes uh, Tommy in in round nineteen or something like that. It, that probably is a viable strategy too. Yeah, I understand looking at it that way. Um, I would be more understanding of it if he wasn't playing the Bulldogs next yeah. week. So, you know, that, you know, if he was playing the Storm next week, I'd be right around your corner going, yeah, look, you, you could look at it. I just don't think that you can with the dogs. Like, I just, he's going to put up potentially 200 points in that. I can't see him not going well. He's in such good touch. And it is, obviously, so far after Origin 2, he's going to be fine to play it. You know, I don't see any issue with him playing it. I think that we'll know by the Friday anyway, whether he is or he is. So you can kind of hold that trade anyway. Like, it's if he he's playing the dogs. So for me, I just, I can't miss out on that dogs game. And that's perfectly fine. Like, I, I, I couldn't fault anyone for doing that way. I'm just saying it's not, like, totally out of this world to, to, to consider something else. You know, like, for example, if people are going to re- take the risk on, say, you know, maybe they're, they're counting on Reese Wilson only playing one game in, in Origin 2, and then they're hoping Kapongo's fit for Origin 3 and Walsh drops out, so it becomes available for around 17. And they're rolling the dice that they might get Walsh for 16, 17, 18 instead, where, you know, Walsh has shown he's got a bit of a ceiling too and might be an option to, you know, score well in, 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 that, in, in that three-week period. But, you know, there's a lot of you know, what-ifs and, and stuff there as well. So there's certainly risk involved in something like that. I mean, do you, do, do you take a punt on two of us check RTS with playing on the wing, but he might get to play fullback in round 17? And, you know, we know he, he's, he's one of the better supercoach fullbacks and he could put up a score and he could be one of the top scoring options for round 17. So... Yeah, I guess that's what I'm trying to throw out. There are options around not just going straight to Tommy as much as, you know, having a captaincy on him against the Bulldogs would be really, really, uh, yeah, it'd be a really, really easy decision to make. That's all. You know what he did against the Dogs last time, don't you? He threw up 152 points the last time he played the Bulldogs. Not surprised. (laughs) 
<laughs> it just look. I especially don't like the Bulldogs' edges are, can be really bad, and him, he's just lethal going down that left hand side. And you saw him throw a, a couple of cutouts and a couple of easy drawn passes to Garrick on the weekend to make Garrick look good. That that side of the dogs, it's just it's going to cave. Like he's just going to carve it, and he did it last year when he was battling injury a little bit still, and he put 152 points on the Bulldogs in round three. Like, it's... I I honestly, like, I'm trying to come around because I'm I'm very much, you know, in your boat of there's, uh, there's other options to look at. You can maybe make up the ground, and I did that with Cleary. I don't feel like that you can with Turbo. I'm trying to talk my way into there being an option too, but I, I, I personally just don't think you can. I think that if he's playing the Bulldogs next week... You got to get him in, um, and you look ahead at your your fullbacks and stuff, and you plan accordingly. Like for instance, I've got Gutho and Teddy. Um, I was initially going to trade Gutho to him because it's more money, and I don't like Gutho's upcoming draw as much. But in saying that, you know, if I'm worried that Teddy's not going to play, then I'll trade Teddy, and then I'll have Gutho post Origin, um, and then I'll have him to play if, if Turbo sits. You know, so I think that you need to look ahead and plan. But I understand what you're saying with the options. Um, you know, you always do need to look at them, and I, I can understand why some people are going to look at look at that because they're worried about the games, I guess. Um, let's move on to another guy that I was impressed with on the weekend, but nobody's really talking about. So he's, he's a big pod. Uh, Cameron Murray is obviously playing Origin, but he was someone that I was pretty interested in looking at because he, I, I thought that he looked really good on the weekend. The, the eye test was there. I thought that he played exceptional. And he played 69 minutes, which was good to see. He hadn't played the Newcastle game in round 14. He had the bye. And then round 12 was his first game back after a few weeks off where he only played 48 minutes. So he actually had a couple of games in a row, round 8 at 17 minutes and round 12 at 48 minutes, which really killed him, which meant that he's now only $492,000. He's now got a BA of 56. Uh, but we've spoken, Wilfred, in, in ad nauseum the last month, especially on how the second row forward as a position has really dropped down and there just isn't really those stellar options that we're used to having there that are staples. He put on 91 points against the Broncos on the weekend. Uh, it was back to 69 minutes, which is what you kind of expect from him. I know that he's playing Origin, but for teams that are looking ahead, he's going to be playing some really good edges. You know, if you look at post-Origin, round 18, he's got the Bulldogs edge, then he's got the Warriors, and he's got the Dragons, and he's got a harder one against Para, then he's got the Titans... Hard two weeks against Penrith and Roosters and finishes off on the Dragons again. So arguably only two in that run are maybe going to even make the top eight from round 18 onwards. We've spoken about South's run a lot. He's just thrown up a really good score. And, and the way he looked on the weekend, um, he's made me think about getting him in at, at his price point at sub 500. I mean, I can certainly see the appeal. You know, we don't have to go too far back to see Cam Murray at his absolute best and scoring like an total gun but I mean from my perspective I kind of think I mean, assuming you've got you know Fafido Crichton and Tohu yeah sorry <laughs> it almost slipped my mind for a sec but assuming you've got those three here like I, I kind of think for most weeks aren't you going to be looking to roll out you know a second fullback a second halfback or five eighth and you know maybe one uh one or two center wings uh going for the ceiling instead I just don't know how often I'm going to want to actively play a, a second row forward where, you know, Murray does have a ceiling and it seems to be if he scores a double, he gets to 120. 
and that's fine. But I, I kind of feel he's not going to match the you know the other three names I mentioned with uh, Angus Fafita and and Tohu. And I just feel like I I I, I don't mind it as a pod play. That's for sure. But I kind of think if you're talking about value, like you got to pay in Haas, who's four hundred seventy thousand at the moment, and you know Furrow Ford sucks. So if Payne Haas somehow turns around and comes back to even 80% of the gun that he normally is, I mean, he's been disappointing and he's still averaging 62, 61, something like that. And at the front row forward position, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, Yeah, I, just... I, I know what you mean. It's a, I, I probably just wouldn't bother trading at front row forward, to be honest. Like, I think that a lot of good teams have IPAP there. And I'd just rather rotate two plebs there and just get someone else somewhere else. Like one of the things I like about Murray is also the draw. Like he's playing a lot of weak edges. They're playing a lot of weak teams, as we've spoken about. Um, so I think the one thing that he has over, say, a Payne Haas is that he's got the try scoring ability there. Um, you know, and when he scores a try, he's, he's turning up. He got 105 uh, against the Tigers on, on running at their edge and scoring. So. I, I just like that, that appeal of him scoring or getting those clutch attack stats at someone like Payne Haas. To be honest, I just don't think he's going to get them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously, he's got the base, but I, I want that upside. And it's a really good point that you make because I'm very big on not reserving forwards too much. Um, but I think that he could definitely fit into your fourth forward. And if you buy him, like head-to-head players especially, if you're a head-to-head player and you don't care about that round 17 buy coming up, Care uh, yeah, Murray's um, playing the the West Tigers next. Um, he put 105 on the West Tigers in round six, uh, and they've got a bad edge, and they just like absolutely got obliterated by the storm. Although admittedly, it wasn't just on the edges; it was like all over the shop. So I said most of know, that was just through the middle. They just, just yeah, so weak in the middle. <laughs> I reckon that's probably better for Murray if anything. So I don't. Yeah, it's a pretty good shout for head-to-head players. I just think like. Part of the issue with the Rabbitohs is they can just go to the edges out wide, and you know that's why the likes of Alex Johnston and, and you know, your, your boy Campbell Graham all scored well on the, on the weekend. Just, <laughs> we'll talk about him yeah. later. So I kind of think that's that's where it's why the attack for Cook and for Murray has dropped in the last, you know, particularly this year. And I just wonder, like, unless you think Cook's going to have a big bounce back because he's going to be relied upon more in the attack. Which then means, do you think that the you know the outside backs and Cody Walker and Latrell do less? I just think there's so many people in that in that team that, that can score well. And why would the Rabbitohs change what's been working? Um, you know, just relying on Cody and Latrell setting up the guys on the outside. Yeah, I mean, if he doesn't get the tries though, he's he gets he gets good offloads and stuff as well. His base attack's pretty good. So I think that that's going to be there at least, uh, and especially against the Tigers. Like they were one on one defending so much against some of those forwards, and that's just that's just screams offload potential and stuff. So certainly he's got that good matchup then, and then you know you can rotate him out and rest him when you need to. Um, I just I think if you're going to buy someone like that, if you want a fourth second row forward, now's a real opportune time at 492k. Uh, coming into that Tigers matchup, um, especially for head-to-head players. But um, I think that we need to get onto the trade-out guys because there's a lot of trade-out guys that aren't playing the buy uh, and that people are looking at, and there's a few that are constant questions on, on what to do with them. The first one that we're going to chat about, he doesn't even... He's like Madonna. He's just got one name, and that's King. <laughs> you and Luke hate that, don't you? <laughs> King Gutho. There's only one. It's, uh, his name's Wally. <laughs> Uh, 
He's Wally. He's, he, should, uh, he shouldn't even have a statue. They should put Gutho's head on it. It's uh, <laughs> 732000 Wilford. He is now worth a lot of money, and I've had him all year. And at the start of the year, the first month of our relationship, it was quite rocky. Uh, he went 75, 32, 87, 81, 74 for his first five rounds, and that was actually really good. It just didn't look very good next to Pap. But then he had his three tons, and Pap was gone, and it was 103, 124, 140. In the last three weeks, he's now got a, a three-round average of 103, 93, 95, 121. He's been absolutely killing it, which I think is what's made it tough for some super coaches because obviously he's not going to play round 17. Um, he is going to play Penrith this uh, in round 16. Uh, that's not a great matchup. He's now got an 86 BE, so his price is just about peaked at 732,000. Really useful money to put elsewhere. Uh, their run home for Parramatta isn't fantastic. So I initially was looking at trading him out, um, if I could, to try and use that money elsewhere, try and get Turbo in for him. Uh, but a lot of people are now concerned because he's been going so well. So where do you sit on, on the trade out of Clint Gutherson, the king? As As, I mean... I think he's definitely done better this year than I expected. And I imagine part of that's just because of the pace of the game and the, the, the scores that we're seeing, the blowouts. I just think ultimately, like as 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 well as he's gone all season, he's just not at that top tier, you know. Turbo streaks ahead. Um Pappenhausen when he was fit is you know, he was looking like breaking you know, he he's he looks like he's on Turbo's level, basically with the goal kicking. I just think even with Teddy um, he, he's had a couple of disappointing games and he's still averaging, you know, really strongly as well. So I just kind of think he's not going to be quite at that level. And if if you're trading out Gutho to, to get Turbo or someone else like that eventually, I've got totally no issues with it at all. Yeah, I, I think that you should look at it. I don't like the Eels run home as much, and that Penrith game really looms as a tough one for Gutho. But Tedesco's the other guy on the list, so it's a good segue. You know, he's up to 676000 so he's about 100000 less than Gutho as far as the value goes. I'm a big Roosters fan, as you know. I'm a huge Tedesco fan. I'm a huge Tedesco apologist, where I've constantly made the point that he hasn't been going that badly. You know, he scored 54 points last game against Penrith, but that was a really tough game. And the, the it was funny how everyone went quiet for the three games before that, you know, like round 10 to 11 and 12, he went 131, 97 and 105. And everyone just, you didn't hear a peep out of the Teddy detractors. And I was saying forever, you know, the month before he was, he was out, he was one of the games he played 34 minutes, you know, the other three games that he had bad scores in, which are his only bad scores, um, you know, there was mitigating circumstances in them. A big Teddy apology, and I still considered, you know, trading him instead of Gutherson this week. Well, you know, you take out his HIA game, the 17, right? And Teddy's still averaging better than Gutho. So, you know, I think you're right. Like, he's somehow, for all that's gone on, people are still kind of under underestimating how well he's been going. And it's just because he hasn't been going as well as he did last year. Like, he was... You know, a level above. And part of it, I think, just comes down to the Roosters, right? They're so injury-ravaged, and not having Kiri there is is definitely, um, you know, it, it's shown now. Like, we, we speculated in the first couple of rounds after Kiri went down, and that's why, actually, I traded him out at that point. Um, but, you know, it's certainly shown that it's, as much as he's still going to have big games, I think he, he's never really going to quite have that ceiling while Sam Walker's there, while... 
you know, they they just play a different style. And I, I'm sure you watch the Roosters a lot closely, uh, more, a lot more closer than I do. But I feel like with with when Walker's at halfback compared to when Kiri's pulling the strings, pull, pulling the reins, um, you know, it's just a different style of attack. It's less reliant on Teddy. Um, you know, being that last pass or being the guy to make the decision, kind of like what Turbo does a lot of the time. Which, yeah, you know, I still sort of think that it's not. I I only agree. I agree with it a little bit, but I'm still, and I've had this discussion multiple times in disagreement with multiple people across the season. I'm still not sure that it's really that different. I think that there's a couple of other things. Like I think that we're struggling to do what we normally would do. And we just have to play what's there. Um, and I think that the other problem, yeah, Kiri out is, is an obvious problem. And I've said that, you know, conceded that straight away. We're going to be in a lot of trouble without Kiri. But I'm not going to use this as an excuse with the Penrith loss. But I thought that we were going to have a good game of footy against Penrith last week. But when I saw we had um, two outs in our starting lineup, I instantly thought we're in trouble because we can't. We no longer have a side that can take any outs in our starting 13. You know, a Satili Tupanua out and a Fletcher starting is such a humongous drop-off for us now that we don't have that depth. Um, and we had someone else out last week as well. I'm trying to remember who it was because I'm trying to forget the game. Uh, <laughs> Sam Walker, yeah, that's it. So, I mean, Sam Walker and Satili out were huge outs and we just can't replace those guys anymore. So I think it's more... More than Kiri, the other stuff has just sort of compounded yep. it. So uh, it's a real tightrope now, which is why I actually considered trading Teddy because I still believe in the Roosters for the run home and I still believe in them as a side that can be a top four side and really competitive with everyone. But we can't afford one out any week. If we have one or two outs any week, we're in real trouble. Well, I just think with, like, Satili was your backup basically last year. Now he's your starter. Mm. You know, Sam Walker, ultimately, you know, he is probably your second best half option. Um, with Kiri out, but he still he shouldn't be the main guy. Ultimately, he's ideally would have been given the chance to still keep developing, play the junior role beside Kiri or something like that until he you know grew into that main role. So unfortunately, injuries have just crueled most of your season. And I, I see what you where you're coming from definitely, and that that depth of the Roosters. I mean, this is you know like not you know your B squad, but like a good chunk of your starting lineup is basically <laughs> um, your former backups, basically. Like Ikevalu is your starter now. He used to be the filling yeah. guy. So it's really hard. I, I mean, now as far as Tedesco goes, I mean, gun to your head. You know that that is going to be a risk going forward with the Roosters. If they have any injuries or suspensions at all, they're in trouble because we just don't have the depth and. Teddy, for as good as he is, um, I think people are expecting a bit too much from him. You know, he's not Superman. Um, the, the team has played players that really shouldn't have been played first grade this year. Um, what are you going to do? Are you going to trade Teddy? Are you going to trade Gutherson if you've got to get Turbo in? Which one of those guys is going to go? Or even just for the buy round, you know, are you going to let one of those guys go to get a buy round fullback? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm kind of... I, I just feel like... I just feel like Teddy's probably still carrying... Um, some remnant of that hip injury, so it probably is impacting his play a little bit as well. More, you know, as as each week goes on, it's probably getting better and better. But I do feel like it's an it's an issue, and just like with round fourteen, I, I wonder if it might be given if if Teddy might be given the week off in in round nineteen, just like Turbo. Like they do play on the Saturday, 
So it's not quite like the the 48-hour turnaround that Turbo will have, but there is a chance realistically that, uh, I mean, because the Roosters play in Townsville, I think, in round 18. So there's that extra bit of travel going from Sydney back up to Queensland. And, and, you know, it's not just Brisbane, it's all the way to Townsville. So, you know, like if that's the case, then you're probably better off hanging on to Gutho because you know at least he'll be playing round 18, even though it's, um, you know, it's not the worst matchup, honestly. Like, uh, who do they got? They got the Titans and the Titans. Oh, that matchup's fantastic. Yeah. It's just more about next week. You got Penrith and, um, yeah, that's going to be tough. Well, but... I guess it's whether I did... you have. I mean, it's not exactly like Teddy's got a great matchup this week, right? It's the Storm. <laughs> no, it isn't. Yeah, so you're going to be holding him for the Storm game. You're right there. I mean, the thing that will happen, though, I'm not. Robbo is cautious, but I don't think that he's got the ability to be cautious now with where the Roosters are at. You know, they're only two points clear of Manly in six, and they're actually four points out of the top four. And he's going to be gutting to be top four. So I think that they can't afford for Tedesco not to play if he can play. You know, certainly if he's hurt or anything. I reckon they need him to beat the Cowboys, though. I think they do. You know, it's, yeah. it, honestly, like, it's a, it's a it's a bit of a trek for, you know, the eastern suburbs to, to Townsville is a bit of a trek. And we do not have... If it was the start of the year, you could rest him for sure for that game and we'd win. But like I said before, we just we can't afford any guys out. We just don't have the troops to replace them. Yeah, look, as a Joey Barter owner, I'm desperately hoping he misses around. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but look, yeah, going back to your question, I think given the matchups and the, the possibility of a rest in round 18, I'll probably lean to trading out Teddy first and yep. um, just going with Gahoo. But eventually, I think you're going to want to have you know Pappenhausen when he's fit again. Just the way the Storm are looking, just it's incredible. Uh, like, <laughs> honestly, I've never seen anything like it with the way they destroyed the Tigers. And I know, like, the Tigers aren't going that way. But... Tigers were so bad, though, mate. Like, it's, they were... They, I, I can't remember seeing a first-grade team play that poorly right from the get-go. I don't know. I've been watching the Broncos this last two seasons. <laughs> so, I, I wasn't going to bring that up, but yeah. <laughs> but the Storm were just ruthless, and I... I I can see that happening multiple times come into season. So as soon as Paps is fit, I think you'd want him in to your team, maybe give him a week to drop a little in price. But outside of that, I think like Turbo and Paps are probably the, the two you want to have for the run home or at this stage anyway. Yeah, I don't think some teams are going to have the trades to do it. I'm, I'm probably not going to have the trades to do it, and I'm just going to hold strong with one of Teddy or Gutho. Guys, I think the answer is a pineapple. You can go either way with Gutho or Teddy. They're that close at the moment. Um, either one of them could go. I'm actually leaning towards Gutho going just because I can get an extra 100000 out of it, which I think I need now. So that's probably my reasoning on him. But Tavita Pangai Jr., let's go to your Broncos, let you have a chat about him for a second. I don't know if you're a Bronco he... anymore. <laughs> Well, he can't he can't go anywhere else at the moment because he's suspended. So <laughs> he's going to be officially at the moment still a Bronco. And on the Supercoach stats side, he's got a Broncos jersey. So we're going to say yes. But he's gone for four weeks. And I've seen some very good coaches say they're going to hold him. Um, what are you going to do with... What are you going to do if you own Pangai Jr.? Are you going to be, are you holding him? Because to me, there's not that much of the season left. And if he's missing three weeks of it, uh, he's an easy sell at 530k that you can use money very, very easily for that buy round and also to get keepers in. I, I thought it was three, I think, wasn't it? 
weeks. Yeah, three yeah. weeks, sorry. So it, it was a four-week charge, but he, he pled guilty. So he's gone for three weeks, which is still way too long for me, I think. I just think because it's, what, round 16, 18, uh, well, 19. 19. So I just – and I think it's very team-specific on this particular one. Like, I don't need Panga. I can sit him on my bench because I've got Papali'i and Haas that I could roll out at front row forward. But I know a lot of people have Pangai as their second front row forward, so and they probably still have one or two like junk options on the side. So I get the idea of maybe going Pangai, downgrade him to like a Takeaho or Fanua Blake, you'll free up a hundred to hundred and twenty thousand. That makes sense to me. Like I don't think you have to hang on to him because we don't know what team he's gonna play for when he does come back. And, you know, does that mean he's playing Eddie on an edge? Does that mean he's playing in the middle? Or does he come off the bench for a bit because it's a new team? Like, there's, I, I get the uncertainty. So, you know, I, I might end up trading him anyway, depending on how I go with my, my choices in the end. But I, I can understand why people want to hold him because he's got the dual position. He's got that, you know, he's got the ceiling for super coach as well. Uh, I mean, he's the second highest averaging front row forward, I think, still. So, you know, if you can cover him for a week or two, and and see how he goes, um, see what team he ends up at, then maybe that's worth doing. Uh, but I certainly have no issues if you do want to sell him because you need the cash. Yeah, I think he's a sell for me. Um, I don't think I could... I, I thought about trying to hold him. I just don't think there's any way you can, especially for most teams that are trying to chase or get their head-to-head wins. I think I think you've got to bite the bullet and get rid of him. But Nicholas Hines is a little bit more controversial, Wilfred. He's, I held him last week, um, and... You know, I was laughing in some chats and stuff with people because, like, some of the larger groups were blowing up with posts about how shit Nick Hines was and why they held him and stuff. And he scored 84 points. And it was like, bad, far out. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good score. Um, but he's, since he's been in the number one jersey, he's averaged 104 points when he started at number one. Um, or, or, or started, I should say, because he started at six in one of those. But as a starter, he's killing it. 84, 87, and 73 the last three weeks, and people have been really disappointed with that. So, I mean, that's almost a, a bit of a compliment to say how good he's been going. But uh, perhaps he isn't going to be back this week, uh, or round 16, I should say. Um, and then they've got the bye, and then perhaps is likely back, it looks like, for the Newcastle game. People like Billy are actually saying that he's going to hold Hines, which I'm really against, because Billy's sort of made the point that... Or if Pat rests a game, which he'll be able to because the Storm are so far in front, he'll play and he'll be a pod and he'll score really well because he averages 104 points when he starts. All that's right, but 824000 is just way too much money not to cash in for me. So I was big on holding him last week. I was happy to pay 62000 in his drop to get the 84 points. I was hoping to pay less and get like 140 points, but that's fine. Uh, but I'm big on selling him this week. I think that he's one of the best tools to build your side for the run home with the five trades because he's like trading two guys in one with the amount of cash that you can get out. Yeah, look, I can totally understand that. I think for me, I'm still happy to hold him for another week because, I mean, there's two scenarios. I'd like to trade him to Paps like if you didn't have Pappenhausen. I, I mean, I just think he's going to keep playing and, and scoring as a arguably the best center wing. Um, while he's got that fullback position. So to me, it's like it's it's giving up big points at center wing, and I get the cash, but uh, I mean, I, I guess it depends also when you got on. Like, I I got on Heinz when he was 297,000. So, you know, I'm playing with house money, basically. If he drops another 100,000, I'll still be like, well, I'm still selling him for 500K more than I bought him for. 
you know, so it's not too bad to me in that sense. Uh, I get the appeal of trying to sell him off this round, but I mean, I still think he's going to score pretty well. Like he's going to be 80 plus. I, I'm backing anyway, again for another week. And I just think, you know, whilst he's still got the fullback spot, he's just, he's just going too well at center wing to be able to offload him. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, he is doing really well. Um, I was happy to hold him last week for the Tigers. Um, I just think with the Roosters, this next round 16 game and then the buy-in round 17, it's an opportune time to sell him. I I wouldn't want him for a 15 or 20-point score on the bench. And that's yeah. that's what you're going to have in that Newcastle game. Um, although, I guess the other thing to consider, you might have some silver lining if you hold him because maybe being a Saturday game, uh, Bellamy sort of says, oh, look, I'll rest Munster. Um and then, you know, if he rests Munster or something happens to Munster in origin, he's not just a fullback, he, he can play six. So maybe he gets an extra start at six and against Newcastle at home at Amy Park. That's a pretty good matchup for him. So you might get a couple of games. Yeah, I mean, like I said, as long as he's playing fullback and kicking goals, I, I just think he's going to be scoring so well at centre wing that I just don't want to, you know, give up those points, especially when centre wing, you know, it's a pretty rough position still. Like, there's a few standout guys, but... Like the any time he straps on the boots as a fullback for the storm and kicking goals, he's right up there next to like Brian Tor, pretty much. Yeah, he's been an absolute gun. I'm still selling him though. I want my money <laughs> and I need my money to, to, to work that buy around and to get my team together. Um Madison is a guy that's not done as well lately as what we'd hoped. He's five hundred and ten thousand now with a ninety six BE. He scored the first try on the weekend. Um I had him at like eighteen to one odds, so I was elated, but then I wasn't that elated when he scored 56 points in 59 minutes. And the 59 minutes is a big concern. He's now gone 59 and 54 minutes the last two weeks for no rhyme or reason. Um, and before that, he went 71 and 70 and then 59 minutes. So the last five weeks, he's only averaging around 63, 64 minutes. Uh, the three weeks before that, when he came back from injury, he played 80-minute games and went 60, 85, 74. So it's a big conundrum, Wilf. And I discussed this with Billy on, on the last podcast. And I sort of said, well... If he, if he plays 80 minutes, he's going to come back and be great. And he's fine as long as he plays 80. But the weekend dented my confidence a little bit because I called him for a try against the Dogs and he got it, but he only got his 59 minutes. So people are looking at selling him for the buy, um, and they're rightfully saying and making the case that he's not a, a run-home keeper for second row forward, even as a, a maybe fourth guy that you've got there. What do you think about Madison? Um, because to me, I, I completely get trading him out. Um, I just got more than enough guys to trade out to bother trading him. So I'm just going to hold him myself for that reason. See, I think that's interesting because I think for me, I'd rather just trade out Madison and hold Hines for a week if you know you want to use cash. I know he's not worth as much, and so that might mean you have to adjust your trades. But like you're right because he's not scoring that well. And with the tough matchup, you probably don't want to play him if you can avoid it this week, whereas Hines, I think, is still a play as much as... You know, you got to take your roosters half off for a moment. <laughs> He's still scoring well in all matchups, pretty much. Um, yeah, I just think, to me, you're right. The Madison, like, it's concerning. And I imagine if he gets another HIA, he's probably in that boat where you might lose him for a couple of weeks. And as you say, trades are low. It's probably one less headache that you won't have to worry about. And he doesn't have that scoring ceiling. Like, I get the, the concern over, say, Pappenhausen as well. If he gets knocked out again... You know, that's probably the season. Uh, but, like, he's got that double-ton potential. 
So I think the risk is worth it in that regard compared to Madison where you could get a full 50 minute game out of him at any moment and still cop a HIA and, you know, he goes off. So. Yeah, I think he's a fine sell. Um, I just wouldn't be, I just wouldn't be rushing to do it if you, if you have to really change things around. Like for me, Heinz, as your example, he's worth 350,000 more. I can't do what I need with $350,000 less. Um, I'm going to have to trade Heinz anyway. There's no way I can stomach holding him for 15 or 20 minute bench games. I don't have the trades after this period to be able to trade anyone like that. I don't really have to, because I, I want to have, you know, half a dozen trades up my sleeve, right? Because you're going to get injuries and, and whatever else. So I think a lot of teams are in that boat. And I think a lot of teams in that boat don't know they're in that boat and they're going to trade out people that they probably could have just held and just gone, you know what, if, if I've got to bench Madison for some games, it's fine because there's these other guys that are worse than him that I need to get out of my side, and I can, and still get the same guys in, if you know what so I mean. So I think for me, like, my plans for Hines is, you know, most likely if if he, you know, and we're assuming Pappenhausen doesn't play this week, so if he does, sorry, I can't say this, I mean, round 16, and if he doesn't, so Hines, he'll start, and then most likely I'll probably consider, you know, I could trade him in round 17, downgrade him to, like, a Daniel Tupo, assuming he doesn't play round uh, play mm-hmm. Origin. And that, that I think, is a, a perfectly fine. Like, get his good points in round 16, trade him out at, a, you know, he's probably not going to be the same value, given his break-even, uh, but he's still going to be potentially, you know, 750, 800,000, uh, easy downgrade, or free up a couple hundred grand there to get a Tupo. Um, or if you hold him and, you know, bank on him, maybe playing round 18, and if he does, then he might lose a little bit more cash, but then he could turn him into Val Holmes and still bank a couple of, you know, maybe 200,000, 100,000 cash there as well. So I think there's some options there where if you factor in him as one of your trade-outs later, because you're trading out someone else who now, like, uh, I guess, the, you know, like the points are so valuable in his position is, I guess, to I've repeated myself a lot there, but <laughs> that's where I'm coming from. <laughs> it's just it's very short term i mean likely very short term anyway from what we know um but yeah i i think it's totally fine to get rid of madison uh but it's totally fine if you just hold him and bench him for some of these games he does have the upside that if he does play 80 minutes again it's going to be gun scores and he's going to be a, a keeper scorer so that's fine if he gets the 80 minutes back i i don't know why he lost it so i think that that could happen uh but He's a fine trade-out. Look, Wilfred, let's go into the round 17 buys. Let's buy purchases. Let's look at who's playing in round 17 and who we're looking at that is interesting. Um, the first matchup is the Manly Raiders matchup. For the Manly side, we've got a couple of guns that are there for round 17. And that is Tapau first up and also Ruben Garrick, who we mentioned. Tapau we've spoken about a few times. Um, you mentioned that front row forward really isn't that good. And it is very true. Someone that's gone under the radar that I sort of spoke about a, a couple of months ago and mentioned a few weeks ago with Billy was, was Tapau. Um, he's all of a sudden got a five round average of 68 and a three round average of, of 60, of 59 only because he got a 53 on the weekend. But, you know, he's been very solid. He's gone 53, 69, 55, 67, 94, 69, 87 in, in his last couple of months of footy. Uh, he's done it with a 50 base, which is solid, but he's also obviously got his offloads. He's averaging 64 for the year in points, which is better than what he's done the last two seasons. And he's actually averaging 50 minutes a game, which is five minutes better than last year. So Des has really surprised us there, pulling out an extra five minutes for Tapau. Uh, it's 
an interesting purchase at 538,000 because when you look at front row forward, he's probably the premium option, right? Like if you if you're going to get a front row forward, he's the best one for round 17. Uh, and there's a lot of front row forward garbage that people want to trade out. So for this first Manly matchup, he, he does look like a serious option that you can leave there as well. Yeah, look, I think, you know, you're right. He did fly under the radar for a while. Uh, we spoke about him probably about a month ago as well, and I think Guy jumped on him around that time. Uh, he, he brought in, um, it was like pre-round 13, he got both Garrick and Marty in uh, quite early, so... He copped a hit in round 13 as a result. He had lower numbers for that round. But um, he's yep. kind of geared himself up for round 17 as well. So it was an interesting strategy, but it's obviously paid off for him. He had a massive round last week. And I just think, I mean, how much of this bump in minutes is kind of, uh, does, it, does it have anything to do with um, Josh Alloway getting hurt? That's what I was wondering. Look, it could, but I mean, it could also be Des realising that, you know, you play your best players more minutes. And it's something that we all throw our hands up about when, when Tapao is only playing like 40s in minutes. You're just like, he can play 60 easily and he's your best forward. Like, just do it. So maybe he's come around. But there is that risk, right? Because Dez has always done that before where he's put his minutes back to 40s and then it's, a, it's just a killer for him. Yeah, so look, I think you're right. As far as front row forward, he's probably the, the best option. But, uh, I mean... You know, we'll probably touch on them a bit later, but the the value options of Takeaho and Fanua Blake, I think uh, it's hard to ignore, given they're so much cheaper than than Tapao. Yeah, definitely. Um, so there is a few cheaper options. Um, Manly also has another gun, which a year ago we would have laughed about it, you know, and we would have said, you know, some some bloke in one of the groups said Garrick's a gun, and we would sit there laughing for five minutes about it, but. Ruben has absolutely killed it this year. He's gone against all form, all numbers of the past, and he's just lighting it up. He scored 135 points on the weekend, and it was tough to watch because I didn't get on him. Um, sorry, he scored 156 points. He got updated quite nicely. Um, and before that, he went 106, 54, 128, 92. So he's got a five-rounder of 107 and a three-rounder of 105. I could not stomach paying mid six hundred thousands for Ruben Garrick, and now he's seven hundred twenty-eight thousand with a B of eleven. Wilfred coming off a one fifty-six playing the Bulldogs, it is unbelievable. Um, but he is a premium upside guy in that he has now scored um, five tons, and he's got the big tons in there of one fifty-six and one twenty-eight, and he's only got a few real poor scores. It was pretty hard on the weekend for owners to watch, though, because he only had, like, two at the half, I think. And I looked at it, and I was so happy. And then Manly obviously blitzed it. So, I mean, do you think that he can keep it up? And for round 17, you know, would you shell out the money? Would you go the 730-odd thousand to get a Ruben Garrick in for round 17 and for the run home? In short, yes. I think he's worth it. I know it sounds gross, but I think he is worth it. I was actually keen to get him last week, but in the end, I went with Cody Walker instead. I just thought it made a bit more sense money-wise for me. But, I, you know, slight regrets. I mean, I was pretty happy with Cody's score, but <laughs> it was, um, yeah, it was it was painful watching in the second half, um, you know, not having Turbo and then watching my, you know, my second-choice trade-in and Garrick just absolutely go bananas as well. But... Look, I think he's worth it. You know, since Turbo's been back, round six onwards, he's averaged 95.4. And if you take out, I mean, round 14, he played fullback because Turbo was out and he scored 106. You take that out, he's still averaged 94.1. Uh, 
you know, while playing you know, on the wing, kicking goals with Turbo back. It's just the upside because Tommy is a freak and he just sets up everyone for, for tries. I mean, he's got what, uh, I think five tries since he, no, he's nine tries, I think, since uh, Tommy's been back. So it's just crazy in, in that little short period. So yeah, like he's playing the Raiders. Uh, who's struggling against fullbacks in round 17. So no Tommy, but I think he showed probably his best game at fullback, filling in for Tommy uh, against the Cowboys in round 14. So I think he, he's going to ride high on that confidence and probably go quite well even in um, round 17. Yeah, one of the things that's gone a bit under the radar and something I didn't like about him um, you know, a month ago when he sort of came onto the radar a bit more was he's, his base has always been really bad, um, but he's managed to put his base up quite considerably this year. He's gone up about 20% in base, in his raw base. He's at 20, uh, 28 at the moment in raw base, I think it is. And um, he was 22 last year. That's actually a big difference. Like, half a dozen points doesn't sound like much, but it's actually a 20% increase, which is a big difference when you couple that with the extra goals that he's kicking. So all of a sudden, his floor isn't as gross as what it used to be. It's I don't think it's 750k, not gross as far as paying for it, but it's it's a little bit more palatable. I'm I think that this could go one of two ways. I don't think there's any in between with a purchase of Ruben Garrick. I think he's either going to keep killing it for the rest of the year and Manly's going to go on a massive run and they've got the draw to do it, and you're going to be hugely regretful that you didn't pay the money now because there's no way you'll be able to afford him later on with everything else everyone has to do post this uh, super buy round, super trade round, I should say. Yep. But the other thing that can happen, Wilfred, is that he could revert to the mean, uh, Manly could struggle for some of those games and he could easily drop, you know, 300k cash in four weeks' time and not have scored very well at all. So I don't think there's any middle ground for me. Uh, it's one of the two and I'm not sure what the answer is. <laughs> and look, I, I totally get that. You know, and all things considered, Ruben Garrick, he's he's a solid player, I guess, this year anyway. Uh, but I think no one's under any illusions that he's a superstar. So he's scoring better in Supercoach than... It's probably his on-field performances might indicate. But I think the the thing probably to me anyway that makes him worth getting is that if, for whatever reason, Tommy Toba does go down, you'd assume Garrett gets to play fullback. And as as mediocre as he might be as a player and as a fullback, like, it just gives him so much opportunity to score well. And, you know, fullbacks are cashing in everywhere, basically. And anytime you can get a fullback and in another position like center wing, it seems to be paying off. You know, you look you look at how well Nico Hines is scoring there. Uh, Val Holmes, they obviously boosted by some goal kicking and they are better players as well. But yeah, I mean, Garrick's still going to be kicking goals. He's going to be the fullback if Tommy Toba gets hurt. And if he's not, he's going to keep cashing in all the tries that Tommy sets him up for. So yeah, to me, I think he's got to be one of your guys that you do get as much as it's going to be hurt to pay that much money for him. Yeah, if he was 550k, I'd be much more into it. Um, but if you do want to smash the buy round, um, I think that you do need to get him because he is a high high ceiling sort of guy, but he doesn't have turbo there for that buy. So that is something to consider. Uh, I'm going to throw out a pod for the Manly Sea Eagles, and it is an extreme big balls pod, but it's especially for draft players. Like, if you can pick this guy up in draft, um, and you're you actually... P- You've actually got a good run of games coming up after the the buy round, and he's coming back around then. 
then I reckon Curtis Sirenen could end up being uh, a decent player with how Manly's playing with their draw. He was meant to be back a couple of weeks ago and he didn't come back. I haven't seen any updates, but I assume that he's back pretty soon. Look, I, there's no way that I could buy him, but if he comes back around 16 and starts and plays 80 minutes, um, he's going to be around the 500k mark, and he's a bit of a pod shot in the dark, big balls pod second rower that he's going to play around 17. Uh, and a guy that I've always liked because of his, his base attack and the draw that he's got. Yeah, look, I, I don't think it's a classic purchase, basically, because he's... No. Price, but, um, I mean, I, I drafted him in one or two of my draft teams at the start of the season, and that's been a bit of a disaster because he got hurt straight away. But, yeah, look, I, I don't mind a, as a as a draft option, that's for sure. I'm going to say in classic that it's not going to surprise me if he comes back and, like, goes on a run of games where people are like, geez, I wish I had Curtis here. And you're not going to be able to buy him. Um, but, you know, if you're really loose and you haven't used any trades and you've got, like, 20 left, <laughs> you could, maybe you could get him for around 17 as a massive pod. Uh, the Raiders' opposition, CHN has been on the radar the last few weeks as a, as a buy. I bought him two weeks ago, two games ago. In the last two games, he scored a try for me. So I've been pretty happy. He's on 56 and 79 points. He looked good against the Dragons, I thought. He's now 524,000 with the 61B. Pretty affordable, Wilfred. And they play the Gold Coast Titans. And then Manly in the bye that doesn't have their stars. So that's two really nice matchups for them coming up. He's... I'm not... I'm loath to say a must-have. He's not really a must-have in the traditional sense of the word. But if you're playing for this buy round... I'd say he's a must-have for you to get in your second row because he's a second rower that can get the attack and he's one of the best second rowers probably outside of Tohu that you can have for round 17. Yeah, look, totally agree with all of that. And I think he's also... Uh, one thing I do want to do with my 16, 17 round trades is to get guys that I will happily hold for the rest of the season and he's one of those for sure. If you're grabbing a hooker as a big value pod option... There really isn't very many hookers that you can get at all uh, for this round 17 clash. Um, I'm going to say there's pretty much none. Aside from the terrible option of Josh Hodgson that hasn't looked that terrible the last few weeks. So <laughs> if if you've got a hooker that you're going to trade out, I'm going to say that he's a massive pod for round 17 and he's probably the best guy. I did mention that Manly's got all their players out, Wilfred. He's gone 73, 46 and 79 the last three weeks. Um, he is... Looking like he's playing a lot better. Um, I'm not keen on it as a traditional trade, but if you're looking at the buy and you're deciding that you want to get a hooker in for it, um, he's probably one of the better ones available, matchup-wise against Manly as well. I mean, if you got trades in hand and knowing that you'll trade him out soon after that, then sure. But, I mean, most of us are so so low that you're probably getting him in you're going to be stuck with him for the rest of the season. And I don't know if I would like that. I'd rather just save the trade and use it elsewhere. Yeah, I think that I would not play anyone at hooker um, at all for that buy round. But if you're set on doing it, or you, for some bizarre reason you want 16 or 17 players, I'd probably rate Hodgson as the best pod hooker and the best hooker as well um, that no one's going to own. So other than that, the next game, Wilfred, is the South Cowboys matchup. Uh, this one's phenomenal uh, for South Sydney players, even with their origin players out. This one looks fantastic for them. Got both of them now. Um, AJ, I was, as I've said to you privately, as I've said on the podcast three weeks ago, a bit worried about having to keep in my team because of his floor, but he's just going too well, so I ended up buying him anyway. Um, but him and Cody Walker, uh, that buy-round matchup in particular, 
playing against the Cowboys, uh, I I could see both of those guys turning up, and that's exactly what you want in that buy round. I'm definitely worried as a non-AJ owner, and I'm not going to get him just because I I can't handle that <laughs> that lack of pace. My centre wing, I've got enough of those already, and you know I do have Cody, so I'm happy to to do that for him to turn up. Look, I don't think AJ's a must. I just don't see it. He he scored a bucket load of tries to get his big scores, and he's going to have to do that. And I just think when Latrell's not there, it does stunt his scoring a little bit. So, uh, but he's certainly a good option. But I think he, you missed the boat, really. Yeah, he's a bit expensive now at six sixty. Like I, I bought him at uh, sort of one hundred and twenty k less, um, which was palatable. So, and when I say must, I mean like for round seventeen, if you want big ceiling and you're going to hit it hard, um, I don't see many center wings that are going to be better for that round for ceiling. Um, but uh, look, I've, I've got Cody Walker in my side. I'm going to roll with him for the run home with the run that Souths have got. Uh, and I think coming off his 110 against the Broncos, Wilfred, I thought he looked great. And I would expect a similar score against the Cowboys. He's going to end up being a, a, a VC option uh, as the second game in that that can easily be looped as well. Yeah, look, certainly understand that. And I also, like I said, I got Cody and I'm happy to hold him for the rest of the season. And He'd be one of the guys I'd be worried about. Like, you know, we, we know he's got the double ton ceiling and just, um, you know, when he's in a mood, he's in a mood and he just goes on with it. So yeah, that could easily happen against the Cowboys. Bit of a pot option for the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Uh, a few people have actually spoken about Colin Matangi in the last few weeks. He's 470k. Um, he's been averaging 56 a game, which is solid, but. He's only got the one try so far this year, and he does look like that he's pretty close to going through a couple of times lately. He's obviously got the great draw. You know, Tigers this week for Souths. Cowboys in the um, in the buy round, where that should be a smash-up for Souths again, and then the Bulldogs in round 18. If you're looking at a budget guy, and you need to plug someone in for round 17, you know, as a pod option, is, is Cullum Atungi someone that you could consider for for the buy? Yeah, absolutely. And I, don't, I, I quite like him as a pod um, for that second row. And, you know, you spoke about Cam Murray, obviously, and I think a lot of Kaloa Matangi's, you know, a lot of the points you raise for Murray apply to Kaloa Matangi, but he also covers round 17. So I do like it, you know, being... Uh, the, the the one thing I don't like was that he swapped edges and, you know, I much prefer him running off Cody Walker as opposed to off Adam Reynolds. So that's one downside there. But I, I wonder if, you know, if Jai Arrow's not playing left edge... Does Kaloa Matangi go back there? Um, that, that's a little bit up in the air. So, mm. yeah, I, I don't mind definitely that that um, him as a pot option, that's for sure. I think with South's run home, he's one of those guys that if you really want to get a pod, like you're behind and you're chasing, he's a guy that could get a try and score in round 17. But he's also a guy that you could leave on your bench and rotate through as a second row forward. And I don't think it's going to kill you um, to just have him sticking there on the run home. Yeah, certainly. Like, similar to CHN, but I just think CHN more likely gave it an attack. Yeah, that's true as well. Uh, I would rate CHN over Colin Matangi, uh, that's for sure. So if you don't have a huge amount of trades, you might find yourself having to choose one of them. Uh, other pod for Souths that I mentioned last week, and, and, you know, me and you had a bit of a disagreement and a little bit of difference of opinion on him, and that was my boy Campbell Graham. Uh I'm not going to gloat too much because it could have easily been a 44 that he scored, but he scored 107 against the Broncos. Um, obviously, the two tries in there 
he's a cut price centre wing. Um, I made the case to you that uh, I'm happy enough to keep him in my centre wing for the run home because he has a really good base of 36. It's not going to kill me on a loop like someone like Alex Johnston will. He's very good value at 475k, 200k less than... And Alex Johnston, um, I was pretty confident that he was going to go on a run. I was pretty confident a ton was coming and he was going to score some tries because he hasn't for a little while. Lo and behold, he did it against the Broncos, 107 points. Um, I think that he will go on with it in the next few weeks. I really do. Um, I do take your point that you made to me, Wilfred. He doesn't play on the best side. Uh, but if South score that many points like they did against your Broncos in the next few weeks, then everyone's, you know, there's enough for everyone to get a piece of it. So as a value center wing buy for, uh, for that round, I don't mind uh, a bit of Campbell Graham at 475k. Yeah, look, I I understand um, the appeal, but a lot of his run from last year, then that was one of the talking points we had. He was absolutely fantastic in the second half of the, the season last year. I think he was averaging 85 over like a seven, eight, eight game stretch, which yep. for him was really impressive. But that was that left center, and you know that's why Dan Gagai outscored him this this last week as well. And, you know, he's come off some big scores there. And it was why I went Gaga earlier in the season too over, you know, any of the other guys um, on that back line. But I just think with him, I wonder with the, the, the score from last week, it was just the, back, the fact that the Broncos got smashed for injuries. It wasn't Jesse Arthurs or, or um, you know, Herbie Farmworth. They had to shift the back line around. And I think at one stage... He got the run over Carmichael Hunt, and then the other time he got the run over uh, Tyson Gamble. <laughs> Neither of those guys should have been defending in the centers, basically. So it, it was a bit of a shambles for the Broncos, on top of their usual shambles that they already are. But I just, yeah, I, I wonder if that's a bit of a false, false dawn, false hope type situation. It's just because he got to run against those guys instead of an actual center. Well, he's going to get to run against the Tigers, Cowboys, and Bulldogs the next three weeks. So I I don't want you to be too down on your team because those <laughs> those those edges aren't very good, I've got to tell you. That's fair. Like like you said, I wouldn't be surprised, but if I had to you know lean on one of these guys, I would probably still look at that left edge. I'm going to go out on a limb here to finish on um, the South Sydney talk and say that Campbell Graham is my favourite pod out of that whole round 17 by-round options. Um, he's my number one pod. He's 1% owned. You you can't get more podish than 1%. So if anyone had him last week, and like I was really close to doing it and I didn't, and I was kicking myself that I didn't do it, uh, getting 107 points off a 1% owned player, that's how you catch up. So I'm I'm really big on it. But um, Cowboy side of things, there's only one guy to talk about. And I put him as a gun just out of pure respect, Wilfred, but he's not a gun. And that's Jason Tomalolo. It is very sad times when Tom Lally isn't a gun, but he's only averaging 52 points a game at the moment because his minutes are right down. Like, he, he only played 53 minutes two weeks ago in his return game from from the buy and suspension, uh, and then he played 57 minutes last round for 54 points. So because of that, though, he presents quite a bit of value. Now, 475000 you don't you rarely see Jason Tom Lolo at that cheaper price. But he hasn't really done anything to warrant a purchase. Do you see any realm of possibility with the fact that the back end of the top eight is so terrible that the Cowboys are close enough to make it that Peyton just lets him off the leash now and starts going, you know what, we need to play him 60-plus minutes, and they go back up? Because if you get him at 475k for this buy round, 
and he plays, you know, 65 minutes. You know, that's really valuable points in your second row forward. And you can leave him there for the year on your bench and potentially play him if he's playing the bigger minutes for the rest of the year. Look, I, I just don't think he's the same guy this year. Something's wrong. I don't know if it's just the minutes or whatever, but, you know, he played 64 minutes in round 10 and 60 in round 11, scored 53 and 42. And just this round going like 57 minutes is not bad. Like Lolo getting 57 minutes usually is still a 65, 70 score. He only scored 54. So something is going on there. And, you know, you take out that 101 where he scored a late junk try against the Broncos when he played 71 minutes. Like everything else this season has just been gross. So like he's averaging 44.3 from the other six games, basically in an average of 54.7 minutes. That's not. He does have 101 versus your Broncos, though, in round nine. You left that well, out. That's what I just said. Like, take on. that game out because he played 75 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, it's a hard purchase, isn't it? Because, I mean, round 18 and 19, he's got the Roosters and Melbourne back-to-back. And I think that's what really kills him as an option. I just think it's really sad that we have to say that guys like CHN are actually a much better purchase than what um, Tom Alolo is. But I think some people will see that price and jump on. I, I couldn't recommend doing it. Yeah, look, I agree with you as well. I think if you're buying him, you're buying him out of you know, blind hope that he reverts back to the normal Tamalolo. I think if he gets a minutes, he'll, he'll go back to 60-odd points. So you're still going to get him well below, but he has to go to 60 to 65 minutes, and I, I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, but look, let's move on to the second last game, the Bulldogs-Roosters. The Bulldogs actually have a gun to talk about. It's quite surprising um, with the way their season's gone, only the couple of victories. But Luke Thompson ha- has been good this year. He's averaging 66 points a game. He's always been a favourite of mine. He's got 56 in pure base. Front row forward, second row forward, 524,000. Um, we spoke about Tapao probably being the best front row forward gun option. Luke Thompson's a pretty good one, uh, but he has gone back to earth the last couple of weeks of scores of 42 and 59. We did all think that would happen, I, I reckon, Wilfred, with the minutes um, because his minutes have gone down to 47 and 51 the last two weeks and Josh Jackson has obviously been back too. So he was a really popular target uh, three or four weeks ago for this buy round. I'm not as keen on him and I'm actually going to probably miss him for this round 17 buy. Have you changed your mind on him or, or do you still like him? I still think I do. I, I mean, I, I, I've called him basically James Graham 2.0 for a few times. Not not in the way he plays, but it's just that he's that guy you buy for a buy and then just hold him in your team for the rest of the year, you know, as an 18th, 19th, 20th man. And, you know, it's not as popular this year because you don't want a forward as one of those extra guys. You want to have more center wings or an extra half or, a, you know, maybe an upside hooker or something like that instead. But, you know, if you want a solid 55 to 60 points to, to just lock in and, He's got that dual position to be able to swap around. Like, I think he's a perfectly fine purchase. I will point out the 42. I mean, he, he was Sinbin, so should be in like 52 and then 47 minutes, if, if that. Uh, oh, I forgot. Might about have, he might have hit, hit some more points in there as well. Maybe he might have, you know, played some more minutes if he didn't get binned. But yeah, I just think like, he, he's a very safe option. He's obviously an important part of that pack. And, you know, he's, seen, he's shown an ability to jack the odd attack stats, so maybe calling him James Graham is a bit rough on that front. But, you know, the, the, the intention is about the buy coverage guy that you just hold for the rest of a year. Yep. 
and it's really you could make an argument for him over to power just because of the flexibility with the jewel. If you've got a lot of jewels that you can move around, that's going to become really valuable in the run home because you're going to get some injuries and suspensions where you're going to need to move guys around. Someone like Tapao can only stick in your front row forward, so that's something to consider as well. There is a really gross option that I'm going to mention for the dogs, and I'm going to do what I can to make it sound like I'm not saying that you should buy this guy. Uh, Kodrick used to be one of my faves at the Raiders as far as his potential goes. I loved his tackle-breaking ability, and when he got really cheap and he had a good run of games to score tries. The problem with the Bulldogs is they're not very good, so they don't score tries, which means that Kodrick doesn't score tries. So he's terrible this year, 43 points a game. He doesn't look like he's getting the tackle bus that he needs to. The last three weeks have been his worst three-week run of the season. Um, I'm only going to mention it as far as I um, saw him pop up in some draft um comps as well, which I think is a decent pickup because of the run coming up. But I am going to mention it for Classic as far as there's going to be some people that need to spend to buy someone uh, cheapish at sort of 350k and under. And I don't think there's going to be very many options, Wilford, that are actually cheap that you can play. Uh, Kotrick in round 17 does have the Roosters, but they're going to be a bit depleted. Um, but after that, you know, he's got Souths and then he's got a really good run that the Bulldogs have. Now, can the Bulldogs have a good run? Probably not, but <laughs> the Sharks, Titans, Tigers, Warriors, Knights, Manly Tigers. It's about as good a run home from round 19 as what any team has, if not the best. If the Bulldogs actually take advantage of that, they will actually score more tries, I think, than what they were before. Someone like Kotrick might be a, a plug-and-play in the round 17 buy, and maybe he can be played in two of those games as a Hail Mary, and he can get like a 70 or 80 for you. So I don't think he's a big buy, Wilford, or anything like that, but there's going to be teams that are going to be looking at budget buys for round 17. Um, and when I was looking through these sides, I really don't think that there's very many available. Yeah, look, I agree. And, I mean, I've always been very frustrated by, by Kotrick because he's just he should be much better, basically. <laughs> Like, he's just not, I mean, for whatever reason, like, he just doesn't get it done. The work rate's not there. The application consistency just isn't there. So, yeah. Look, I'm going to throw a different name in there, Jake Avarillo, um, since he's taken over at halfback in round 10. And also, because Flano got dropped, uh, inherited goal-kicking as well. He's averaged 58.2. So, like, yep. I just think, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty gross option or overall since it's a Bulldogs player but at the same time you pointed out the the run and he covers round 17 he's got the dual position as well he's not super cheap at 439,000 so it's probably more than you'd want to pay but you know that's not a bad average to sneeze at and he's perfectly serviceable I think you know playing halfback and kicking goals if the Bulldogs can continue their recent form yeah that's true I've liked how he's played actually um, it is, I mean, 360k for Kotrick's that little bit too much. I mean, if he was 330 or 320, like I think it starts to get a bit interesting as just a just a throw there as your last set of wing and play round 17 if you want a number. Uh, Avrilo, I like the shout out. I could see it on the run. Um, I just couldn't pay it myself. But yeah, it's it's actually a pretty good look to to consider, especially if you've got the trades and you can get him out or you want to use his jewel. Um, they're going to play the Roosters though, and. The Roosters are still going to have a really good side if everyone's actually healthy, touch wood, uh, for this buy. Uh, one of the people that's been talked about is uh, Sam Walker. 
know, I've had some you know really experienced super coaches actually say to me, you know, should I buy Sam Walker? I've held him, so I'm pretty happy that I have. I, I think that he's definitely playing. He just needed a rest, and he's going to have a couple of weeks off for this round 16 game. Um, he's coming off 69 against the Titans. I think everyone keeps thinking about that 11-point game he threw up against your Broncos and got really turned off on him, but he still averaged 73 points a game this year. He's still got two games of 125 and 163. We've spoken quite a bit how... Really, there's Nathan Cleary as your halfback. And then I've made a case for Jerome Hughes, and Jerome Hughes has probably made a case for Jerome Hughes. But really, there's not that many other halfback options there as your secondary. Uh, he's a kind of top upside guy that I would want in a round 17 clash for a bye against the Bulldogs with goal kicking, hopefully, again as well. So I do think at 496,000, you know, if you leave him this week with a 106 BE, he could be for 60,000, uh, round 17 buy round game and that's a that's a really good option as far as big upside I reckon yeah look I don't disagree I just don't see him getting the goal kicking back I just think with Kieran now you know he's definitely the best kicker from what we can see and anytime he's on the field he's taking the kicks and now he's starting to hooker I think and uh, I, I thought he was doing a pretty good job so to me I think Kieran probably keeps that for the time being or job shares um Fairly evenly minutes wise with barrels, but yeah, look, I don't mind. Like I've I've also held Sam Walker, and I probably will for the rest of the season, just because I don't want to burn a trade there. Yeah, but yeah, look, I I mean I'm all in on the Roosters for round seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's a really good trade in actually, like if as your second, because I think you can leave him there um, behind, like what you're holding him, I'm holding for the season. Uh, I think that you can leave him there and you're fine. So he's a he's a plug and play, and then back up to Cleary if Cleary rests, and I think you're fine to do that. It's as far as the goal kicking goes. Like Sam Verrills is still gonna, he's still playing 28 or 29 minutes a game at the moment, and he's gonna overtake Kieran's minutes. I think um, he's yeah. a he's a preferred starting nine. It's just a matter of when that starts to happen. So Kieran might still job share kicking with him, but you'd still think that Sam Walker's maybe got half a game of kicking against the Bulldogs and um, he'll get some decent kicks, at least a few, you would think. Yeah, look, fingers crossed. I mean, I've got him. I'm rolling him out in round 17 for sure, so fingers crossed he has a big game. But, yeah, look, I, I, I spoke about how I'm targeting this this matchup in round 17 with uh, plenty of roosters. You know, I've got Joey Manu, I've got... Swali, like plenty of others too. I've got Ikevalu, so hopefully, hopefully he doesn't get dropped. And I've, I've got Victor Radley, who should play that week. Jeez. Look, we've got um, all those guys on our on our value slash pod list, and that's you know Takiaho, Manu, Swali, Radley. Yeah. I'm getting ta- I'm I'm getting Takiaho in. Like I'm I'm all in for you know 392,000. I think he is. Like you've you will not find better value. His minutes are going to be way better. It's just such a good buy as long as he doesn't get hurt. You know, so I'm all in on that. I think that's fantastic. It's a really easy round 17 trade that you can make to make money. Like you can make 150k off a, a TPJ to a, a Takiaho, and that's fantastic. So the, that's one of the trades that I'm doing. But I'm really interested in your thoughts on those other few value pod guys that you mentioned, Manu, Suali, and Radley. Um, I'm I'm really not sure on any of those guys as buys for round 17 because I'm kind of worried about them afterwards. Yep. You're someone who owns them. You know, sell me on, on Manu, Suali, and Radley for round 17. Oh, look, I wouldn't buy Suali if I didn't have him ready, basically. And hopefully you picked him up at bottom dollar and cashed out someone else at the time. Like, 
you know, you're just hoping he plays and has a big game because we've seen him be able to score 80. So if he gives me 80 in that round and I'll move him on after Origin to, you know, once he's peaked in price, like that's the plan for Suwali, I think. Bradley, yep. that's just a mistake. I bought him in thinking he was going to go well against the Broncos and then he gets binned multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a disaster. And then obviously he's suspended since then. But I'm hopeful, like, you know, he's so cheap and he could go on a little mini run and score some points and hopefully make some cash. That's all I'm hoping for from Radley, honestly. Uh, so I wouldn't recommend bringing him in if you don't have a choice. Yeah, I mean, um, Suali has been asked about a number of times on different forums and people are talking about bringing him in because he's still cheap. I would not do it. Um, but And Radley, I would not do either, so I agree with you. Manu's an interesting one because I was really big on getting him in a few weeks ago. Um, and obviously, you know, he played six against Canberra and scored 82, played one against the, the Titans and scored 97. The Titans game, I was pulling my hair out. I was actually um, with a few guys in one of our groups with Andres and a couple of the other guys in one of our small groups and having beers watching the game and just we were both swearing at the screen because we wanted Manu, but we didn't get him. And he scored the 97. He's got that great upside, um, but I would have wanted to buy him a few weeks ago. Um, I'm really torn on whether to get him in for a round 17 game against the Bulldogs because he's going to give you premium points then, but he's going to be you know 470 odd k, and when he goes back to centre afterwards, you're probably going to be a bit worried for the rest of that run home. I don't know if you've got enough value out of that trade in, and that's kind of why I was a little worried about him. Yeah, look, I got him for the 97 against the Titans, so for me, I I think he's paid off already, but. And and he was only like three seventy thousand at that time, so I definitely got him for a bargain. I just think like I, I'm expecting, like I said, I think Teddy has at least one more week off, and you know if he gets another week off at the end of the season, like I'm I'm rolling out Manu anytime he's playing fullback, obviously. Yep. And, you know I'd like to get another look or two at him playing six, like a thirty-seven against the Panthers playing, you know, in the halves is probably not that bad. Like thirty-seven. Uh, you know, the way the Panthers have been defending and like a 37 is probably a 60 against most other teams basically. So I don't think if he gets to play in the halves, he's probably not a bad option either, but you're right. I'm going to bench him as much as I can if he's playing center and roll him out anytime he plays fullback. So for me, that was 97 against the Titans. It's going to be around 17 against the Bulldogs and hopefully he tons up for me then. And then, you know, fingers crossed he, he gets to play fullback again for around 18 as a non-Teddy owner and a Manu owner. But, yeah, realistically, I think, you know, the time the timing was back then, and I'm not sure you're going to get the, the premium value or the best kind of um, outcome getting him in now. So, I'm um, yeah, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, he's only 8% owned still, so you've got really low ownership on him still in the pod territory. So, he's going to potentially give you big points for the Bulldogs game. So, if you're really hammering round 17 and you really want it, and you really want those high ceiling guys, then definitely consider him. You have to be aware that afterwards, though, he could offer you very little value at all, and you might have to burn a trade or not play him for most of the rest of the year. That's I mean, going to be the issue. He's often average 50 playing centre anyway. So, like, if 50 is what you're going to get, potentially, it's not the end of the world. Like, if you just stuck is is your sixth centre wing that you only roll out in, in you know, break glass in case of emergency type of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's not the worst. I mean, look, I was going to say that he does have a Broncos matchup in round 22 that I want to play him in, but he only scored 43 against the Broncos in round 11, so he's a bit of a hard one to pick as well in that regard. Um, that's why it's always a little bit 
difficult with Joey Manu. Um, but yeah, he's not the worst. I, I just if you're thinking that you're going to need to play him on the run home and you you can't trade him out, I'd probably consider doing something else. Yeah. Um, with the last uh, couple of pods value guys, one of them's a pod gun and the other guy's a bit of a pod value. So Tilly Tupanua uh, is someone that everyone's sort of sold off um, in the past when he's missed games and so forth and completely understand why. I was pretty gutted that I did it though because I knew that he was going to come in and, and go well afterwards and he did. He came back, scored some great points. Now Corden has retired. Yep. It's, he's, he's going to be starting. He's averaging 58 points for the year. It's it's a little bit um, shy of gun status, but not really, because in round four, he only played 13 minutes. If you take that out, he's he's in the 60s, and he's an actual gun. He's he's obviously low-owned. Um, he's a guy that can hit attack, and he's playing against the Bulldogs in round 17 against a terrible edge. At 517,000 at the moment, um, he is one of those guys that's a bit of a smoky premium option because the Roosters do have some good edges that they're going to play for a few weeks from that round 17 buy. So he's not being talked about at all, Wilfred. Um, I don't think that I would buy him ahead of a CHN, but I think it's very close. And I would put him up there as a maybe even the second option behind a Tohu for the round 17 second rowers. I mean, I, I see him in that same group. CHN, Kaloma, Tangi, Tupanua. They're all kind of very similar to me. So, and right now they're all playing on the right edge of their respective teams too. <laughs> so, I, yeah, look, if I had to rank, I'd def- definitely say CHN ahead and Trippinor probably second. Just, you know, now Cordner is not there. And that, that was the biggest knock on getting him, basically, knowing that Cordner was meant to be back. But now he, that that's his spot. And he's going to play 80 minutes most weeks, if not every week, as long as he's fit. And there's, uh, you know, no, no questions about that. So, yeah, I really do like him. I just think he's a little bit pricey now and I can't afford him. Uh, in making my trades. So, yeah, I'm going to have to skip him, unfortunately. 10% of teams at the moment, so he's just around that pod territory. Um, the other guy is Daniel Tubo, and he's a pod, and he's a gun as well. Tubo is a premium centre wing for this trading uh, period for that round 17 buy. Playing against the Bulldogs, um, he's gone really well against them in the past, so I really like him against all his Bulldogs matchups. I, I think that they've got enough talent there for him to still get some tries. He only scored the 23 against the Panthers, and he's playing against Melbourne, uh, which is really good because now he's got 111 B8, 523K. You should be able to get him after this matchup, sub 500,000. He's got a strong base of 31. We've spoken about his base attack before and his, his ton ability. He's got two tons this year already. Oh, he could legitimately be a centre wing that tons up against the Bulldogs. He's definitely one that you can keep for the run home. So he sort of ticks all the boxes for me, Wilfred, for uh, after round 16 buy and for round 17 guy for the centre wing. Um, I'm I'm very much in on him. I, I would rate him as probably the best centre wing option behind Garrick. Um, although, you know, I could see a realm of possibility that, that he overtakes Garrick for the run home and he's better than him for the next sort of couple of months of footy. He's definitely penciled in for me as around 17 trade-in, basically, letting him drop in price. And just in case, you know, something happens in Origin 2 or round 16 to Tor or, or um, Adokar, like if either of those two guys get hurt or suspended, then I reckon Tupo straight in there. So, yeah, happy to wait until round 17. Like you said, it's the it's a rough matchup this week and he'll drop a little bit in price and you can pick him up for about 500 grand, I reckon. Yeah, and that's look. That's what we're talking about with the strategy as well. It's really important. Like you've got, you got injury, you got a bad matchup, you got a big be, um, and you have got potential that he's in Origin. 
like a, a lot of casual super coaches will trade him in, not thinking about those things. And if one of those four things hits, that's one leg up that you can get on some people by not have trading him in for 16 and getting him in for that round 17 buy with your five trades. Uh, Sharks versus Warriors is the final game. The Sharkies don't have too much joy on the Supercoach front, but someone who has been quite good to watch the last few weeks is Sean Johnson. Now, I was very close to getting him last week. He's only 512000 this week, 54 BE, playing against the Brisbane Broncos. So I dare say in round 16, I have to have him. I'm not going to wait for round 17. But the good thing with SJ Wilfred is he's playing against his old Warriors teammates in, uh, in round 17. He loves to get up for the Warriors games, and it is a great matchup of Broncos-Warriors the next two weeks. So he is a guy that you would go early on. I am going to throw a bit of a spanner there, though. Like, he scored 59 last week, 79-71 the two weeks before. I'm not sure that he's got quite the ceiling that we're used to with the old SJ. And I thought that he played a lot better on the weekend and still only got 59 points. So I'm worried that maybe for a run-home guy... Um, I think he's going to score well with the Sharks draw, but maybe he doesn't have those tons in him that he used to have. I mean, I think it's been several years since he's had any tons in him, really. Like, you look back to 2019, he only scored 100 once. And you look at 2020, he only scored 100 once. So what he, I feel like he's become is he's more consistent. So his floor's generally higher when he's got the goal-kicking and he's just less likely to drop a you know a single digit score like he would be in in the past. So yep. I, I like him as a fairly safe option. Like he managed to get to fifty nine without doing too much. Basically, I think he had one try assist off a kick, and then he had a line break, and you know maybe a line break assist there. I like things that are quite easy for him to get basically. So I, I really do like him as an option as well. And the dual position is the kicker for me as well. And the fact that he should play every single game for the rest of the year, barring injury. Like, I can't see the Sharks being in a position to ever rest him. Uh, and, you know, as long as he's not hurt, basically, I just think he's going to be... Uh, like, I wouldn't mind having him in case I need to have him to, to play behind uh, Nathan Cleary late in the season. If I need to, like, maybe Sam Walker's out as well or whatever. I don't mind having the flexibility to flick SJ up to halfback and get someone else from a different position. So to me, I think I'm quite keen on this week as well. The only problem for me is I've got to potentially trade out Josh Schuster for him, who obviously covers round 17 already. So, yeah, that's the dilemma I've got to deal with. But I reckon I'd be doing that trade if I was you. Yeah, I think I am too. Um, I'm just, yeah, waiting to see, obviously, uh, what the team looks like. If he's not, if he's down on the bench or if he's not playing this week because he's still injured, then it's a no-brainer. I'll happily do that. And I'll have SJ as well. Yeah, I'm quite keen. I think he'll... I, I do like that he's playing on, for a contract as well. Like I think that that kind of helps his motivation. And the the Sharks have the run where a guy playing for a deal has a lot of opportunity to shine as a playmaker. Yep, agreed. He's uh his last score against the Warriors for those that were wondering was 119 points. Yeah. That's who he's playing in round 17 in the buy. So those are the type of scores that you really want round 17 to be able to smash it. You want the premium scores, those big ones. SJ can deliver. I'll be training future immortal Adam Dewey for SJ, which is going to hurt the heartstrings, but I'm going to have to do it. Um, <laughs> Talakai, as far as the value pot option, geez, talk about how stocks fall in a week. <laughs> this is, you know, this is what a few of us were saying um, before his last game. 
better off waiting and seeing what his minutes are. You could go early, but there is that risk. It's very prudent to wait. He only played 46 minutes. And, you know, he looked good. He had a go. Looked terrible defensively. Yeah. Um, scored 35 points, which in his minutes wasn't too bad. But he's nowhere near 80 minutes. Like, he's not even 60-65. And at 337000 even though he's really cheap, um, if Wade Graham comes back in three weeks, then he's dead. Like, you just... You, you, I think that killed him last week. That audition as a trade-in last week just killed him. I honestly think, like, his defence was the reason he got such limited minutes. I think once Teague Wilton came on and played on the edge instead, like, it stiffened it up that side a little bit more. So I think um, when Talakai came back, I'm pretty sure he played middle. So, yeah, I, I, I you know... I can certainly see the appeal and why people are so keen to jump on, but it turned out waiting a week was the smart move, and I don't think he's even a trade-in at this stage, unless you no. another week. And if he gets 80 this week, then maybe, but outside of that, I can't see myself getting him in. No, I'd leave him now. I think that you've got to lay him. It's um That was the audition, and he failed it. And uh, I, I think that the Sharks' best lineup, honestly. Look, I don't mind him on an edge, but I would move Rudolph to prop almost and just put Talakai at 13. And I think that, that would actually work well for their pack. But that's not going to happen. So I don't think you, you can look at him. Uh, Warriors have got a few big big gun options for this round. And I'm really torn, Wilfred, because I, I only want to get Tohu in. I don't want to get these other two. But they're going to be real premium options for the round. Tohu Harris is a no-brainer, obviously. He's one of the keeper second row forwards. So that's a box that you get ticked straight away. Keeper that you're going to get in anyway plays around 17 you're probably going to want to get him in. He's averaging 77 for the year. Uh, I will say devil's advocate, Wilfred, just under 600K isn't bad, but 77 is well above anything that he's ever done before. Um, he's got 60 in raw base. Uh, is he going to keep this up for the rest of the year? It's eight points better than his career year last year, which was you know 10 points better than his career year before that. You know, he's he's really on a run at the moment, and he's not actually a spring chicken. He's going to be turning 30 soon. So I did have that sort of concern, but he's probably playing too well for me to, to not get him in. I just think last year, the only reason he only averaged 69-ish or whatever was because of the fact that he was rotating from edge to middle and edge to middle and all that, whereas this year he's pretty much always, uh, I think, playing middle. Even though he's been named on the edge, he seems to still play middle, so... Yeah, I'm pretty comfortable getting him in. I don't have any doubts about Tohu. The Warriors have actually got a pretty low key because I don't think a lot of people uh, look at them very much. They've got a really good run coming up as well. So there's a few of these teams that aren't as popular or aren't as good as some of the the top teams like the Bronco, like the Bulldogs and the Warriors that have really really good runs of footy coming up. So Tohu's a, a a given, you need to get him in, but RTS and Nikarima are a little bit more interesting. So you mentioned two of ours, Ashek, before, and we obviously, you know, had a big fullback talk with all these other fullbacks, and, and Roger two of ours, Ashek, wasn't really a consideration. He's, again, very low-key under the radar, averaging 70 points this year, which is a big comeback from his 59 points a game last year, and he's been doing that with some time on the wing as well, which is quite remarkable, really. Um, he did only have 23 points on the weekend, though, against the Knights, which is absolutely awful. So I'm not really sure that you can get him in at fullback. The problem is that he's only 530,000. He's playing the Dragons and the Sharks back-to-back games, and he could easily, with you know Walsh 
getting rested or being out, um, playing fullback for the 80 minutes, end up putting up some big scores the next couple of weeks. So they do have a big run of games as well. From round 20 onwards, they go the Tigers, the Sharks, the Bulldogs, Broncos, Canberra, Titans. That is a big run of scores for between 20 and 25 rounds. So, geez, it would be a, tough to get, in any, get out any of the other fullbacks to get an RTS in, but he could be a, a real premium pod option for round 17. Yeah, look... <laughs> I can certainly see the appeal, but the the risk there is way too high. Like you're just going to miss out too many points because he's potentially playing wing and it's just not good enough. I just don't think the Warriors have scored enough points, enough tries on the wing to justify him. Yeah, at that fullback only spot. So, yeah, look, I can see the appeal, but I couldn't go there basically. I will say that I think that there is a certain situation that you should look at going there, and that is if you have heaps of trades left. If you've got heaps of trades left and you can go um, RTS for uh, round 17 against the Sharks um, or get him for round 16 even, so you got the Dragons Sharks for two weeks, um, I think that's a pretty good a pretty good crack at you using your trades to, to your benefit when other t- guys are going to maybe have Teddy and Turbo out and so forth. So if you've got lots of trades, Wilford, I actually see it as a, a decent option, but otherwise it's, it's too hard. I'm going to throw a different name at you. Will Kennedy. <laughs> oh, no. Heaps of trades. I'd rather throw a dart at Will Kennedy than two of us check. Uh, uh, only because it's the Broncos this week, honestly. <laughs> I know. that. Look, I could never pretty... myself, but, you know, that's the massive caveat. If you had a lot of trades, Will Kennedy for a round or two against the Broncos, and then, as you said, the Warriors in round 17. Yeah, it could, it could go worse. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't go that over RTS, but I appreciate how loose you are with these round seventeen trades. <laughs> he's, he's average. If you take out that four and eighty minutes against the Panthers, and then the twenty-four and eighty minutes against the Panthers again, he's actually averaging seventy-one point four in all his other games com- combined. So. Oh, he, he's had a really good year. Like he, he deserves props. He has had a really good year. Um, like RTS, he's got a recent stinker as well. 24, but that was against Penrith. Uh, no, I understand why. I, I mean, I really thought that he should be a centre wing jewel, but, you know, we don't get those sort of things anymore. Um, yeah, that's it. Nick Arima is the last gun, and I mentioned him two weeks ago because I'm normally loath to talk about Nick Arima, but he deserves some props, so he needed to get some. He is still going well. 50 and 73 the last two weeks with 73 against the Storm. 69 points a game, um, dual halfback 5'8". If you're looking at guys like Sam Walker, um, an alternative for this round as a half, or even as a as a backup six if you want to run home with him, um, you can get Cody Walker and Nick Arima as your two sixes for now. He's he's worthy of a consideration. He's going to play the Dragons and the Sharks the next two weeks, like we said. Those are two really good matchups for him as well. And I mentioned on the, the podcast with Billy Wilford, um, since round six, he's only got one game that's below six, that's below 60s until he just threw up a 50 on the weekend. Yeah, his floor improvement has been remarkable from his Broncos days to where he's at now with the Warriors. Yep. The goal kicking is a massive boost, obviously, but no, I agree. He's definitely improved as a player. And, you know, I think he's played better in the halves than I expected him to ever be able to do. So I have to give him credit for that. But, yeah, look, I, I totally understand the, the appeal. I actually really don't mind it. I um, I kind of lean towards SJ still either way. But, yeah, I can certainly understand the appeal, that's for sure. When you look at it half, though, I think it's a lot more contentious. Like, Walker versus Nikarima, who are you going with for this round and then for the run home? 
Yeah, look, I think the fact that he actually has the goal kicking and the dual position might lead me towards Nikarima. Yeah, I'm a Roosters fan, and I'm actually kind of the same. Um, the other thing with Nikarima too is that he's not going to get rested. I don't think that Walker can be that much, but he is a little bit... He's going to get injuries. Um, Nikarima's 9% owned, so I think you'll find that he's going to be lower owned than Walker on the run home as well. So it's a really interesting one because I don't see many people going Nikarima. Um for Neil Blake, a lot of people are interested in, and for good reason. He is very much like Takiyaho, and it's very much down to a, do I get Takiyaho or a Fanua Blake? Fanua Blake's 419,000, so, you know, roughly 25-odd K more than what Takiyaho is. He's just come back from injury in round 14, threw up 32 points in 47 minutes, minutes went up to 58, put up 58 minutes uh, points. He's looking like a value buy. Um, I mean, I guess... Wilfred, for me, I've always been someone who hasn't quite believed in Fanua Blake. Um, I wasn't sure that he would carried on at the Warriors. I haven't seen enough from him yet to know whether he will. I don't get that uncertainty with Takiyaho. Um, so I'm leaning Takiyaho on this one. But Fanua Blake's obviously got the offloads and the, the, clutch, the, um, the base attack and even the clutch attack that probably Takiyaho doesn't have. So he does have that upside. Yeah, and... Look, I can certainly understand the reasoning for both. I do feel like I would lean a little bit more towards Fanua Blake just because of the, the potential ceiling. Like, I think Takeaho's never going to really crack 100 unless he gets to score a double or something like that and play 70-plus minutes or something. Whereas, you know, Fanua Blake has the ability to score a double uh, just the way he, you know, could be used around the goal line, like, I think he did it a lot in Seagulls. He would score tries that way. And you know, we haven't seen much because he just hasn't had the opportunity at the Warriors. But, you know, even in his short time there, he's already scored a try. So I think, yeah, Fanua Blake, to me, just presents a bit more upside there. So that's the way I'd lean. He only scored one one ton last year for Neil Blake, and it was against the Sharks that he plays in the bye round, and he scored 142 points, scoring two tries. So if you like uh, history repeating itself, uh, he, he did it last year, and he smashed it. I'm um, I'm going to lean Takiyaho, but I can understand for Neil Blake. I think there's great value picks in front row forward. I wouldn't be spending on other guys. So I would actually be going these guys over spending, you know, 140k more on a... Uh, a Luke Thompson or, or 165k more on a tap to power. You know, I think that there's better value just getting these guys at front row forward. I think I, I'm right there with you. Well, Wilfred, I'm glad that you're right there with me on that. That is the buy round purchases. This is our buy round extravaganza done. And thank you for jumping on. We're always going to have a two hour extra long podcast because I'm probably not going to be able to do one next week with the child still waiting to come out and it's going to come out this week for sure. So uh, this was a double episode. I appreciate you jumping on from your champions podcast responsibilities and, and giving a chat to me as well. Always, always, you know, I always like having chat to you about footy and super coach. So always happy to jump on. Well, it's just because of that, I'm going to wish you Broncos luck this this round 16, okay? Yes, in all <laughs> the luck we can get. <laughs> get on the Champions podcast, everyone. They're fantastic. If you haven't listened to them much, make sure that you do it. Uh, 
this is going to be, like I just mentioned, probably the podcast for next week as well. So if you want to put it into two segments of an hour each, you're welcome to do that. Otherwise, I might get on next week, depending on how things go in the personal life, to see if I can do a bit of a round wrap-up for round 16 for captaincies and so forth. But I'll see how I go. Um, you can obviously download us on SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, NRL underscore SC underscore all stars and also if you jump on top sport make sure you use our promo code sc all stars but best of luck for origin for queensland and new south wales supporters enjoy the week off put your feet up make sure you plan for round 16 and 17 prudently with your five five trades that you've got and we'll chat to you again probably in a couple of weeks time hey now you're an all-star get your game on go play hey now you're a rock star get the show on get paid